This podcast is part of the MyPodcast.com network. Go online right now and get your very own 100% free podcast, MyPodcast.com. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Thank you, Mean Gene. I'm with the reigning intercontinental champion, the old... You are nothing but a normal. You don't deserve to breathe the same air that I and Hulk Hogan do. Hulk Hogan, I must ask you now, as you ask me, do you, Hulk Hogan, want your ideas, your beliefs to live forever? For Hulk Hogan, in this normal world... Physically, none of us can live forever. But the places you have taken the Hulkamaniacs, the ideas and the beliefs you have given them, can live through me, Hulk Hogan. That is why I breathe. That is why the warriors have come. Hulk Hogan, there are ones that question where you are taking them. Do you no longer want to walk or step into that darkness? Hulk Hogan, the darkness I speak of is nothing to fear. It is about the beliefs of accepting any and all challenges at the cost of losing everything, Hulk Hogan. You have lived, Hulk Hogan, for the last five WrestleManias for this one belief. Now, Hulk Hogan, I come to take what you believe in further than you ever could. I come, Hulk Hogan, not to destroy the Hulkamaniacs and Hulkamania. I come, Hulk Hogan, to bring the warriors and Hulkamaniacs together as one, as we, Hulk Hogan, accept all the challenges with all the strengths of the warriors and the Hulkamaniacs together. Hulk Hogan, the colors of the Hulkamaniacs are coming through the pores of my skin. And Hulk Hogan, when we meet Hulk Hogan, I will look at you and you will realize then that I have come to do no one no harm but only Hulk Hogan to take what we both believe in to places it shall never have been. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside You gotta take the stand Welcome, Hulkamaniacs! Welcome to Geek Salad, episode 12. It's still real to me, damn it! I'm Landy. And I'm Mike, brother. 
<laughs> I, I couldn't resist. I had to. Oh, yeah. I mean, come uh, on. We're talking wrestling. You know, I had to throw it in. We're talking WrestleMania. Was Coming it? up next Sunday is WrestleMania. I can't believe it. WrestleMania 25. Remember when WrestleMania used to be, like, in the afternoon? Yeah. You know, it's funny how I remember when we used to always, like, get, like, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Yeah. And, and now it's, like, at night, like, all the other pay-per-views. It used to be, like... Right, like near Easter. Oh well, I was thinking about that. What, um, when exactly did WrestleMania go from being like an all-day, like starting in the afternoon event to an evening event? I want to say it was like WrestleMania fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, later when they got into the Attitude Era. I yeah, think it was. Yeah, um, because I remember you know going to Jim's house for four and five. You right. Know, and just spending all afternoon there. Now, like if we go like to our friend Tim's house to go see it, we're going to be up until midnight. Yeah. But I think what also is they do do that recap of stuff that's going on, and then they kind of bring it into it. It's, what, the 25th anniversary this year? This is so 25. I wonder if they'll do something big for it this year. I wonder if they'll do, like, a whole, uh, like, you know, podcast. Like, not a, uh, like the whole, like, you know, pay-per-view event. I'm not, I'm not really sure what they're planning on doing with that. Um, usually, yeah, I mean, 25 is pretty big. I think... Um, no doubt 30 will be at Madison Square Garden where the first one was held. Right. The 10th one was held. Actually, the second one was partially held there as well. But we're right. going to get into that when we actually recap the shows. I think by that point, if they bring the Sheik out, his gut will be there five WrestleManias before he will. <laughs> um, yeah, WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all yeah, in terms the- of uh, wrestling... Big wrestling pay-per-views. Well, you know, I think it's the show that really um, it really brought wrestling into the mainstream. Right. It's the one that really brought everything out, and it really stepped up the game to wrestling, and really kind of brought it into you know to what everybody's watching, and everybody kind of knows the name. They've right. heard of WrestleMania, whether you're a wrestling fan or not. And I think that's what makes it. Oh, kind I, of cool. I remember, and this you know this is long before the internet or anything like that. The first WrestleMania was recapped in Time Magazine, mm. and it was just that's it, right. was, it was this big spectacle that was done. Not so much like that, you know, the darkened bingo hall type of atmosphere, yeah. you know, the the world-famous Sportatorium in downtown Dallas, Texas, which yeah. is actually like the world's most famous shithole, oh, yeah. according <laughs> to uh, the late, great Gary Hart. Um, yeah, this was this was a huge event. It, it played out much like, it was, it was like Broadway almost. It's just right. this big, huge show, and at the center of it was the the top star in the industry, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and you know, and like I said, another thing is, you know, whether you liked him or hated him, Hulk Hogan was the biggest, he was kind of the biggest draw at the time, yeah. and also another person that really made wrestling what it was today. Right. I mean, there's other guys too, a lot of other contri- contri- contributors, and you know, nowadays I don't think a lot of us are big Hulkamaniacs as we were when we were kids. Oh, but trust me, we're going to get into that. Oh, yeah. But um, I think, but back then, he was someone that everybody looked up to. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. the hero, the icon that everyone looked up to. You know, yeah, he wasn't the greatest wrestler, but we all loved him for, you know, what he did and how he thought and how he trained and prayer and the vitamins and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get into that. The demandments, brother. Yeah. So before we actually start, we do have a couple housekeeping issues. Uh, we do want to thank everybody for your patience during the uh, the Wait for the Batman show. Um, know, well, well, it's kind of like, um, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, you know, Snitsky. It wasn't our fault. <laughs> uh, what happened was uh, my podcast, which hosts our, our show... Uh, was going through a, a big software upgrade that was supposed to improve everything. What ended up happening was the upgrade apparently had crashed the system, and they had to restore everybody's shows bit by bit by bit. I mean, we're still waiting for a couple episodes from our archive to come back. Mm. Um, right now, if you go into iTunes, everyth- we have everything there except for Episode 10, which is our top 25 geek uh, movies of all time. Um, Hopefully that'll be back up soon. I haven't taken a look at a few days to see if it's back. Um, but pretty much here's what's going on with that. If for whatever reason this happens again, Mike and I are going to move the show to a different host. Um, 
at which time we're just going to have to notify everybody. If you're on iTunes, it will not affect you because we'll take care of all the changes from there. Yeah. Otherwise, if you get your show through the, the host site itself or um, you're going through Podcast Alley or anything else, we will um, we'll give you a heads up. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you're going to be a lot easier to get in touch with than our MySpace friends in terms of being able to just let you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we will let you know what's going on. We're never going to leave anybody in the lurch. Um, so again, thanks for your patience, and uh, hopefully this show comes up yeah. pretty quickly. <laughs> Let's talk on one right now. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another housekeeping issue. Uh, this was brought up by our our friend and correspondent Mike G. Um, there's a trailer floating out there right now for a movie called G Force. Uh, he found it on the um, the QuickTime website. Oh, I thought, saw hey. this. I saw this trailer. Yeah, I know he was exactly like, "Hey, G Force." That's like that great anime that I used to watch when I was a kid. Clicked it, and it's about gerbils. Yeah, it's not what you think it was. Yeah, exactly. So um, as a public service announcement to all our geeks out there, um, avoid the G-Force trailer because it is about gerbils. Don't get confused because there is supposed to be in a remake called Gatcha Man in CGI, and that's the real one. So if you are into that stuff, that's what you want to look for. Exactly. But, I mean, really, when you, when you think about it, I mean... Look at look at Dragon Ball, which that's coming out. Or you know, it's funny. I never. I mean, I saw some of that cartoon, and you know, for what it was, it was actually very well written. But from what I'm hearing this but movie, this movie is it's going basically to it's going oh. to suck the major balls. Yeah, you know, it's going to suck major major balls. Yeah. So, uh, without further ado, um, let's let Vince McMahon take the honors. Yes, welcome to WrestleMania. Three, uh, <laughs> two, one. <laughs> we're actually going to st- we're going to start at one. We're not going to go. Yeah, let's go late. right. Yeah, we'll go right. Um, now we're not going to cover all of them, obviously, just due to time constraints. Uh, we'd love to talk about all twenty-four of them, but realistically speaking, and what we planned on doing was just kind of doing the the first ten. Yeah, because those are the ones that we all kind of I think grew up on. Yeah. At least our you know at least in our generation, right? Did, because that's when it all came out, right? In the mid '80s, and that's when it really kind of started for a lot of us. That kind of grew up with it, and it's very different from what it was now. No, um, and you know, you got all these legends now. The guys that are legends now were like, you know, the young guys to these kids today. Like, you know, like you know, Cena is today, and Orton, and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, Steve and all those guys were like our young generation, and you know, that's what made them great. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's uh, let's start WrestleMania one. Mm-hmm. Um, took place in 1985. Damn. Now, if you want to think about that, Randy Orton, who is right now the number one contender. For the world heavyweight title, he is going to be fighting uh, Triple H at this current WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. He, I believe, was one or two years old. Is that weird? That is unbelievable. Because really his father was, it, his, his, fa- was his, his father, father was actually in the main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. He was an alternate. Much oh, okay. like Jimmy Snuka was an alternate. They weren't part of the tag team, but right. if anything were to happen, they, they were going to get in. involved. Exactly. Um, so that that's that's really funny to think of. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. It's one of those shows. I think that they definitely, when you when you when you compare it to other WrestleManias, it's definitely one that you have to you have to take with a grain of salt because it was the first and it had a lot of growing pains. Um, you watch guys hit the ropes; the ropes are really really wobbly. Mm. Um, the show was actually very very dark in terms of the, the, the way that it was lit. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have the lighting stuff they have now. I think they were just using most of the lights from Madison Square Garden. They really yeah. have a lot of set the set designs they have today, right. which are like just huge. I mean, you can only imagine what he must have spent for the first WrestleMania. No, yeah, and not every not every guy came out to music. Not every guy came out to the way that they do now with the full video package. And a lot and of it, the, I think, back then was um, it wasn't really um, 
the the theme songs you have like were written. They didn't really get into that. Oh, yeah, no, they it were was mostly using, stock uh, music, and uh, they just got like the rights to music. Like Hulk Hogan came out to Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, he came out to the, uh, Eye was, of the like, Tiger. That was the whole during like Rocky Three time frame, I think. It was it was, it was two years after, or two three years, years at, three right. years afterwards actually. But uh, Junkyard Dog came out to Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah. Um, and I mean now, if you if you do get these these shows on DVD, just do just all the, the the rights associated with them. You you get their their stock themes. Right. Um, Mike, trivia question: What was the first match at WrestleMania? Well, I believe uh, it was Tito Santana. Yeah. And you know, cool, who was he fighting? Who was he fighting? Um. um oh, I, oh, was it like uh, it was it was like some no name guy? Yeah, it was the masked executioner. That's right. That's right. It was the executioner. <laughs> uh, who was? There's your way to start WrestleMania. Yeah. And the, Exactly. It, sense. It, it was hysterical too because when they when they cut the interviews, they're actually done in the locker room, and um, the executioner, who's very obviously Buddy Rose, yep. because the words Buddy Rose are written on his boots that he's got like like covered up with electrical tape. Oh yeah. Um, he's having difficulty with the mask during the interview. He's got to like pull the mouth hole away from his mouth <laughs> to actually talk. Um, and he's just this big fat slovenly guy, yep. covered head to toe. Um. He's from Parts Unknown also, which I've always found to be a great place to be from. I also enjoy, too, the weight unknown. Yeah, guy, you know, it's like, it's wait, it's like no, you, don't, come on. you don't bother to get right. weighed. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's why. I think I don't think he was using the blow-away diet at the time. Oh. Remember ooh, the blow-away the diet? The blow-away diet, yeah. Just, what was it? Like, it was like laundry detergent that he Something sprinkled like on that, his yeah. gut, and yep. then you go stand in front of a fan and you know, just like sucked his was, gut in. Buddy Rose looked actually somewhat decent. Then all of a sudden, he just ballooned. Yeah. And what the hell happened? A lot of guys, a lot of guys they, have that. They didn't really care about their physiques at the time, I guess. Right. I um, yeah. So my personal favorite match, and there isn't a whole lot to choose from, realistically. There's a lot of crap on here. Um, but the, the the best match, in my opinion, Matt Bourne versus Ricky Steamboat. Okay. Yeah. Just basically Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. It, it was a yeah. Ricky Steamboat made that match because Ricky Steamboat, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated wrestlers. And, and just the way that time goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, good-looking guy, incredibly athletic, yep. um, very skilled. I mean, martial arts, because he kind of, he has a bit of Asian heritage to him. Right. They gave him that martial arts gimmick, but yep. that really was just, like, chops. He was yeah. chop guys. Uh, the great flying body press. Yeah. He was just, he was a total package, but because, you know, he didn't have that flash that, like, a Hulk Hogan did, or even right. a Junkyard Dog, where he didn't really have a character... He, he really kind of fell by the wayside. Um, Matt Bourne actually went on to play Doink. Was it, that, was it the same Matt Do- Bourne? I wasn't sure. Mean Matt, you know. mean Matt Bourne went on to play Doink the Clown. Right. Actually, like the good version of, like oh, the, the heel version of Doink the Clown, like the actual evil clown. The evil clown, right. And not the other guys that took over for him afterwards. Right, because you can pretty much just mix a match at that point. Yeah, the great match. Um, I think runner-up would have to actually go to uh, Junkyard Dog. I was going to say that was my favorite, actually. Yeah, Junkyard Dog versus... I always liked JYD back when I was a kid, so... Junkyard Dog versus Greg the Hammer Valentine? Yep. Oh, uh, yeah, that Those was guys like... were good. That was, that, was, that was when Valentine looked pretty good in his prime. He was pretty, he was pretty powerhouse at the time. Yeah. And, you know, he had that great little figure four leg lock at the time. I think... Or was he using that finisher at the time? Yeah, remember. he was using the figure four, because yeah. um, I believe... Wasn't Tito Santana also using the, the figure four, and he was really feuding with, with Greg at the time? I thought it was, it was either him or uh, Ronnie Garvin or something. There was two people that were like, there was something about, like, you were using, like, remember the little, it was years later, they used, like, the little uh, the shield, the little shin protector. Yeah, like that. I think that was Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, okay, that was Ronnie Garvin. I'm but, confusing that one. Yeah, that was a good match. Um, 
big tag team match was uh, the uh, the American Express, the U.S. Express, yep. Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo versus uh, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Ah, uh, yes, the old uh, Russia versus USA. Yep. You know the evil. That was when, like, you know, Russia was evil and Iran was evil, and you know. Decent match. Uh, yeah. it's, it's really outside of the main event, the only tag team match in the entire uh, on the entire show, and it right. was for the titles. Yep. Um, I mean, when you when you really think about it, the the, the, the faces Windham and Rotundo had great talent. Yeah. That they and they managed to parlay that into years of active service. Whereas, like Sheik, who when you look at the Iron Sheik back in the day, mm-hmm. oh my god, that guy was cut. Oh, he was. And you see him now, and he's just so. Fat. Oh and my god. <laughs> but I am the man with the ten inch cut. And hurt. Yeah. You know, Volkov looks the same. I mean, Volkov has always looked good for an 80 year old man. He's always looked kind of 80, though. 80 though. He has. He you has. Know. He's always looked about 80 years and old. And the funny thing was, you know, that, that awful red suit he always had? Yeah. I think he's had that thing for years. That thing should be in the Smithsonian at this point. Uh, it should be. Because remember, like, when he came back in the 90s later, he still had that suit. Yeah. I don't know if they remade it or whatever, but it was hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Now, my, my uh, vote for worst match, though, mm-hmm. is uh, Brutus B- Brutus Beefcake versus David San Martino. Yeah, I, I think even if it had been Bruno San Martino, it probably would have made a better match. Right, exactly. Um, story behind David San Martino is that his father is uh, the world's only living legend, Bruno San Martino. A uh, guy held the belt for well, how long? Like oh, 17 years? Something ridiculous like that. Um, just, just a legend... Unbelievably good wrestler for he a wasn't... big man. For a big man, he was a very good mad wrestler. I yeah, Bruno was pretty, pretty small. Like he wasn't like tall. He oh no, no, he small. had that. He just that barrel chest. Right. I mean, he was. I mean, that guy was a weightlifter. But he wasn't a tall guy though. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it's a man great. He wasn't like a. He wasn't like the biggest guy in the world. Right. And I think he. But he was still. He was just a. Tank. He was thick and a tank. Yeah, he was. He, he was. was. He was a tank. Uh, his son David had you know at the time pretty like he was bloated actually yeah you know it was like that bodybuilder build where you don't really know how to how to tone properly and right. it's just like he's all chest yep and then you get to Brutus Beefcake who will take his career and just use his friendship with Hulk Hogan uh-huh. to to get higher and higher and higher at this point he was kind of like a. He's kind of like his gimmick was a male prostitute, practically. Oh yeah, um, he was he, a prissy guy. Yeah, like he also came up with that, uh, height, you know, that weight unknown. I think he comes from parts unknown, weight unknown. I found out why they did that. Why they do that? Do you remember the um, the gimmick that they used to have for? Uh, oh crap! What was his name? Uh, Buff Bagwell, the handsome stranger. Oh yeah, they were going to do something similar for Brutus Beefcake, and he was going to wear like that little. Just that little Cato mask. Okay. And that, that, that fell by the wayside, so thank God. Like a little strip, basically. Yeah, strip yeah. Up. But this is before um, Brutus started wearing, like, the uh, the shorn tights. Like, the at, you know, the ass chaps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's just an awful match, because David San Martino had less than 1% of his dad's talent. Right. And Brutus Beefcake has it was never been a good wrestler. But the thing about WrestleMania was that at this time, it wasn't like the thing where you were like the, the headliner match. It was just something that kind of just got a lot of guys out there. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, before we get into the main event, the, the interesting thing about WrestleMania 1 is that there actually was theoretically a co-main event with this, and it's the only time that a women's match has been, the, um, been part of the main event. And that was... Um, Wendy Richter versus Leilani Kai with right. uh, Cindy Lauper in Wendy Richter's corner and the fabulous Moolah yep. in Leilani Kai's corner. Um, 
it's a terrible match. I think that some of the women now do a better job. I mean, most of them are just kind of, you know, pieces of ass that are just out there. And the funny thing is about Wendy Richter is she just kind of fell off the planet after that. Well, what ended up happening was, I, I, from my understanding, was she held Vince up for money, saying that, you know, I can go anywhere and get paid whatever I want. And he's like, no, you can't. Right. And she essentially was blackballed from the industry. Yep. For it, and it's you know it's one of those matches that Cindy Lauper was really the main event of that match. Yeah, and that's probably how they brought that rock and roll to wrestling, and that was another thing that kind of you know helped you know bring wrestling up because they tried to you know it was like well they had all that that advertisement on MTV, right? And that's what really really brought those guys you know both groups up actually really yeah. helped both industries. Yep. Now the uh, main event was actually uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Mr. T. I pity the fool thug a soul who tries to take over the world, then goes home crying to his mama. Versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Ah, yes. Any thoughts on this match? Um, well, you know, Hulk Hogan at the time, he was decent. At the time. Um, I think Piper was a decent wrestler at the time. Orndorff was decent at the time. I don't know about Mr. T. I mean, I know, you know, he's big, you know, he's, you know, he pees fools, wears the chains, (laughs) wonderful. But, uh... You know, it was a it was a slow match. Yeah, you know, I yeah. Just, you know, for, for what for what you look for today, but again, this is 1985. Right, exactly. And it um, was, he was one of the biggest, you know, names and draws. So everybody wanted to say, oh yeah, you can see Hulk Hogan because back then Hulk Hogan never did anything but pay per views. Right, exactly. So if you wanted to see Hulk Hogan, you had to watch pay per view. Right. Um, the thing the thing is, at this point, I think Piper was really like at the peak of his heeldom. Yeah. Uh, more so than later years when he was still a heel. It was primarily because he wasn't like this just raging racist. Um, he was just he was a loudmouth who kept shut, shut you know shooting his mouth off, right. and then running away at every chance. Right. I mean, as a heel should be. Yeah. Mister well, Wonderful, um, kind of still that that cowardly heel, but like a good looking cowardly heel yep. that always brushes hair back, kisses kisses muscles. Yep. Yep. Uh, really, the talent of those two, I thought. I mean, Roddy Piper's a decent wrestler. Yeah. Right? I would kind of, you know, put him mid-range in terms of work right. rate. At the time, I think Paul Orndorff did a great job, especially as a big man. You know, when I looked at Orndorff, I always actually thought he was related to Hulk Hogan. Just yeah. It was basically without, with hair, without the mustache. <laughs> because they all, they all, they kind of sounded the same. They kind of looked the same, same physique. So I almost, I, when I was a little kid, I thought they were actually, like, brothers. Right, right. Have you seen... Um, Orndorff lately, though. Ugh. He looks like a shop teacher. Yeah, he does. He's, like, really, really skinny. Uh, one of his arms atrophied due to um, due to a pinched nerve. Well, yeah, because he got See? dropped on his... I remember it was, uh, it, was, it was during one of the WCW days where yeah. he got dropped on his neck and it was the wrong way, and it um, and that's what happened. Yeah, so one arm is much smaller than the other. Right. And, um, yeah, he's just... He's very, very skinny now, and he's just... <laughs> he's like the, like uh, I said, he looks like a shop teacher. He's got the flat top, you know. <laughs> just a buzz cut from Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> um... That moving on, the next year, 1986, was WrestleMania 2. Yep. Because, you know, original names all around. Absolutely. And this isn't one of the ones that I think a lot of people remember. Uh, this is a this is actually a, a pretty bad WrestleMania. You got, you got more um, characters, though. I think that's when you start developing the characters. Well, yeah, I think that they had definitely done that. And they'd also start keeping people under... Um, under contract more, so you had this, this this whole returning group of people. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't this the same WrestleMania? I could be wrong. Maybe this was WrestleMania three. Um, that uh, what's the name? They had a bunch of different people doing different commentaries. Oh no, that this is it. WrestleMania two. Their big um, their big shtick with this was that it was going to be done in three different locations. Yeah. Um, now, one thing about like most of the original WrestleManias were that that you could not really get them on pay per view. What you'd have to do is. You'd go to, like in our case, out in Massachusetts, you'd go to the Boston Garden. Yep. And you'd watch the whole thing on a big closed-circuit TV. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and so that's that's how you had to watch these things. So what they did with uh, with the live events, they did this in um, Los Angeles. They'd done it in uh, Chicago, and they'd done it back again in Madison Square Garden. Three locations for this. So they take like Vince McMahon was uh, paired up with Susan St. James of Kate and Alley. Right. You know, definitely your your, your one stop you know shopping for wrestling oh, uh, commentary God. is Kate and Alley. Um, Vince, uh, what's his name? Jesse Ventura was yep. with Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh yeah. Um, who's the, who's the other? Was Gene Okerlund and this, oh, I don't even remember. It was Gene Okerlund and somebody else in Gorilla? Chicago. No, it might have. Yeah, I think might it was Gorilla. Gorilla. Oh. I don't remember who he was with though. But um, I think it was Gene Okerlund. Maybe he was, was, was not a commentator. No, he's just a terror. Yeah. Um, there's just way too many bad matches to name here. Um, it just they they couldn't get their groove with this. It's really hard to kind of build up a lot of drama when you keep moving from location to location. I think that's what the, that was the problem because yeah. you you wouldn't. It just didn't really have any kind of you know had nothing to really build up. Right. Um, but there were some decent, some kind of decent matches there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, like let, let's start let's start from the top here because there are some some matches that just have to be addressed. Okay. Um, the, the magnificent Don Morocco versus uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. That was all right. It was a decent match. The problem with that was is that it ended in a countout. Yeah. And then they waited about five minutes before they announced it was a countout because nobody knew what the hell had happened. Yeah, it was one of those it big was like glitches. Off script. They, yeah. they had no, they had no backup plan because a lot of times, like now, they have backup plans if something yeah. goes wrong. Yeah, and they didn't have that at the time. But now it's like that's something they learned from. Yeah, uh, Randy Savage versus uh, George the Animal Steel. Mm. Um, Savage hadn't found his 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 groove yet. He was still no. his big thing at this point was that he had just he had just come over. He had just brought in Miss Elizabeth, right. which was. Huge because she wasn't a valet; she was actually a manager yep. that didn't have any kind of, uh, you know, romantic relation or anything it like that. It was a sex They'd, appeal for it was sex appeal, for the right? Time. But she did nothing. She just yeah. kind of you know just stood there and kept looked, her hands over. Yeah, she looked, looked cute. Yeah, no, that was all she did. Um, and George the Animal Steel, very limited, I think, in terms of wrestling ability, it was more of a character. Yeah, you know, he you know the turnbuckle exactly, and, and of the green tongue. That was about yep. it. Then we have George Wells versus Jake the Snake, and you know, I gotta say, I think Jake. You know, I, he is a guy that I think was probably at the peak in his eighties, you know, in the eighties. Because yeah. you know what made him great was he just he just had that charisma. He only gets better. But the thing with this match was that it ended with George Wells puking all over himself after Jake put the uh, put Damian the Snake on him yeah. after the three count. Uh, then we go to the the main event of the uh, the New York portion. It's uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Mr. T in a boxing match. I thought that was horrible. Yeah, that was um, horrible. I don't know too much about boxing, uh, but I do know that if these guys were legit boxing, they would have killed each other. Well, this is where they were really dragging out the Rocky Three thing. Mm-hmm. This is really where the Rocky Three thing got just just basically you know blood dry. Yeah, and I think that's what killed it. Then you had uh, what is it, the flag match? You know, Copa Kershaw versus Nikolai Volkov again. Oh, again, let's push the old you know, Russia versus America thing, and you know the Cold War and all that stuff. And right. Corporal Kirshner was. <laughs> Corporal Kirshner essentially was WWF's answer to uh, Sergeant Slaughter because they didn't have the AWA had Sergeant Slaughter at the time, or actually right. I believe the GI Joes had Sergeant Slaughter at this point. Well, they were going to be or something. Yeah, and um, Corporal Kirshner was just this big roided up guy who you know, they could throw a beret and a um, like a camouflage colored wife beater on him. And I think he had a Jerry curl. Yeah, he did have Jerry I think curl. He had a Jerry curl. So. Um, there was actually one scene. It, it, one, one part of this match where Kirshner, like, just 
blatantly blades on camera. He like he starts cutting up his face, and then he sh- shoves it into his uh his, his trunks. Oh god, yeah, I can't imagine. I'm sure. Uh... Yeah. Oh, it was funny about that too. Was that um. The guy that was announcing these matches, you know, normally Howard Finkel would announce the matches, um, or Gene Okerlund would announce the matches. I don't remember the guy's name, because he only did this, I don't remember doing anything else, but during this match, because the entrances took so long, he kept repeating the same thing over and over and over again. So it's like, you know, from Russia, Nikolai Vol... You know, with Fr- his manager, classy Freddie Blassie, yep. Nikolai Volkov. Volkov comes down, they do that. Then um, they start talking about Kirshner. Now, Kirshner is, like, walking around the ring with that giant flag yep. 15 times. And the entire time, the guy's, the guy's like, uh, match scheduled for 15 minutes. It's a flag match. Uh, one fall. One fall. Flag <laughs> match. Just, We're gonna get ready for a great match here. Uh, oh, it was it was just, oh, it was gosh. excruciating. The buffer couldn't have saved that one. Oh, uh, the uh, twenty man battle royal, which was about ten wrestlers and ten football players. Yeah, and oh, who just, ended up winning that? Andre, Andre, yeah, Andre, Andre. He threw uh, Bret Hart, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But there were, I mean, there were so many old school nineteen eighties uh, football guys in there. The big, the big appeal to this was William the Refrigerator Perry, yep. who just won the. Uh, the Super Bowl a couple months before, beating our beloved New England Patriots. I think he went off to G.I. Joe at Sergeant Slaughter. I, he did, actually. It was football on a chain. Yep, and he was like the big draw, and a lot of people, I think, thought he was going to win because, you know, he's William the Refrigerator Perry. Have you seen fr- the fridge lately? Oh, he's... He hasn't missed a meal. Yeah, no, he, well, he wasn't missing meals back then, either. No, but he really hasn't missed. He's been made up for it. Oh, there is one There is one scene that makes you go blind, though, watching, watching this battle royal, because there's at one point, somebody pulls on... Um, on on Perry's jersey, and it, it kind of looks like one like a onesie almost that he's wearing. Because when they pull it up, it's like nothing but ass cheek. Yeah, and then thankfully someone knocked him out. Oh god! Oh, it was it. it just is, it's terrible. I believe Bill, Bill Fralick was starting a uh, feud. Oh, with um, John Stud, and you know, if you want to try to cut a decent promo, what's the best way of doing it? Why not rhyme? You know, rhymes with stud. Stud the dud. Stud, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah whoop, whoop to do There's heat. Um, however, the Chicago section did have the best match of this show. Uh, the tag team match. The British Bulldogs. Versus, versus Valentine the, and Beefcake. Yep. Excellent that was a good match. match. That's where the Bulldogs, they were great back then. I they, loved them back Unbelievable. Then. You had Davy Boy Smith with the power. You had the Dynamite Kid with the aerial. Mm-hmm. The aerial salt. They were managed by Captain Llewell Bono, probably one of the greatest uh, wrestling managers in history. Absolutely. Um, and they were they were accompanied to the ring by Ozzy Osbourne, who was coked to the gills. <laughs> he's just kind of like staring at like He'd shove his face to the camera, like holding up his hands like, Number one! Number one! Dude, Rock and roll! Number he, one! And you know, it's funny, he's actually kind of coherent then, too. He wasn't as, uh... Oh, he wasn't as, as, as bad as he is now. You know, doddering imbecile that he is now. Exactly. But well, thank like, those drugs. Oh, my God. Um, it's a great match. The f- it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a great back-and-forth thing. Um, back in the 80s, I thought they had some really good chemistry in terms of building heat for matches. Yeah. Um, primarily with, with the Bulldogs versus the Dream Team. Dream Team were the champions for almost a year. Right. And uh, the Bulldogs would come so close to beating them every single time, but something would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dream Team would disqualify themselves so the titles didn't change over. Or they would, they would cheat or whatever, and they just kept building this. They've had so many chances. How you know When are they going to get it done? And they were right. given one last chance to do it. Think, you know, 
logically you know they're going to win the they're, they're going to win the belts. There's no two ways about that. But it was still a good back and forth match uh, with Valentine taking all of the beating. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to protect Beefcake six ways to Sunday with this. Yeah, because you know, he sucks. Yeah, and plus I think you know I think wasn't he latched on to Hogan at the time? He was. Yeah, he was always going to be latched on to Hogan though. Uh, what I found funny though is that the match ends with. Uh, I believe it was Valentine pushing Dynamite Kid off the top uh, off the top turnbuckle. Dynamite lands onto the the, the cement mm-hmm. below, which is just unfortunately for the Dynamite Kid would continually have these types of injuries, which would put him in a wheelchair and eventually lose a leg because of it. Right. Um, and Davy Boy manages to just kind of squeak out the pin, and then he has to roll out of the ring. So. The, the 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 new champions are broken. Yeah. So what do they do? They have Albano and Ozzy Osbourne holding the tag title, celebrating in the middle oh, of the ring. How bad was that? And you know, while while Davy Boy is just trying to like shovel dynamite off the off the uh, off the ground. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> um. That moves on to Hercules the... Hernandez and Ricky Stream, Steamboat. Yep. Uh, we had a nickname for Hercules back in the day, Mike. Yeah, Pink Hercules and his little panties. Yep. Because the guy yeah. didn't know how to tan. Nope, and he basically, you know, you slap him a few times in the chest, he was bright pink, and his pant- tights were his five sizes too small. Yep. Yep, the man panties. Uh, Gotta love him. And then we had a adorable Adrian Adonis versus Uncle Elmer. Yes. Basically, fat guy versus redneck Dra- fat guy. Exactly. Uh, fat drag queen versus hillbilly fat guy. Yep, yeah. Basically, uh, you know, the uh, the uncle of hillbilly Jim, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it goes about as well as you think it would. Then we had a couple funk brothers, Terry and Haas. Versus Tito Santana, Junkyard Dog. Actually, this this is my second for best match of the night. All right, um, it's a good back and forth match. Terry Funk was a great heel. I love I love Terry Funk. Watching Terry Funk, and I mean I love. Yeah, I thought Tito and the and the JYD had great chemistry together. Yeah, you know, Junkyard Dog was never a great wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. But he was very charismatic. And that's he was very charismatic, and Tito was just a workhorse. He would yep. do anything, and he Absolutely. took so many bumps. It's just it was a good match, um, and that brings us to the main event, the steel cage match. Yeah, oh, yeah, the big blue cage. Yeah, you know, remember those? Yeah, uh, back, to... back in the day, they used to have this gigantic blue cage for yeah. for all the steel cage matches. Um, the problem is, apparently, if you watch the shows live, you can't see through it because the bars are huge. But they were like very big squares, and I think they had to take the ring ropes down and everything to get it up. Yeah, I mean now they've kind of figured out where they basically just have it, you know, they suspended drop it. and they just drop it, which is a much better idea, but. Back then, you had to take the ring ropes down, put the thing, you know, screw the thing up, and that could take about what twenty minutes, something like that. Oh, it was it oh, was, it was awful. Yeah, they had to keep like showing vignettes of Hogan, who had been battered and beaten by King Kong Bundy, who weighed like four hundred pounds. Yep. Um, it was funny too. I I heard this uh, reference about the way Bundy looks one time that he looks like a big black condom that that broke. <laughs> Um, yeah, Bundy spl- did the big splash, the big 500-pound splash on yep. Hogan's ribs. So Hogan had to have his ribs taped up, which is a device I absolutely hate mm. in wrestling because you know that the tape is going to come into uh, to affect some time well, of the they're match. Gonna, they're going to attack them there, and it's going to come off or whatever. It's always the... But what I love is that, you know, our American hero, Hulk Hogan, is showing how he's his training regimen because he's got Hillbilly Jim helping him with that. <laughs> and he's taking, like, 50-pound weights putting a chain around him, wrapping him around his neck, and then doing pull-ups with it, which, you know, I, when I've worked out, I know if you've got hurt ribs, don't do that. <laughs> so Hulk Hogan 
is teaching a generation of kids how to work out incorrectly. Yep. No wonder we all have, like, you know, no wonder we're all getting old before our time. Oh, God. Um, match quality in and of itself is your typical Hogan versus big man match. It's, yep. It ends with a big boot, and then Hogan escapes from, yeah. You know, and crowd goes wild, and he basically... And, he didn't really do as much, you know, showboating as, then as he does now, but... Yeah, but... It was know, just starting to come around. Right. So another, you know, the second show in a row where Hogan, you know, gets to play his music and... Mm-hmm. Do his little, you know, hand up to the ear thing so we can hear everybody. This is where Real American really came into play. Yeah, yeah. I'm Hulk Hogan, the greatest wrestler of all time. Uh, That moves us to WrestleMania 3. Which was actually, this is where the shows really started getting good. Yeah, these got much better. They really kind of found their groove now. These also started um, ushering in the era of pay-per-view, too. So more people could watch it because you could watch it at home. At the time, this had actually... um, Set the record for the biggest indoor, seat, you know, arena event right. ever in terms of the amount of people. I want to say, I mean, according to the WWF, it was like ninety-seven thousand people. Yeah. It was a lot of people no, in that arena. I can, I can believe it. You know? I mean, the Pontiac Silverdome is a big place, and no matter you know how much they were off, it's still impressive to see that gigantic crowd. Yeah. At that event, um, so I mean, this was being billed as the biggest because the main event was going to be Hogan versus Andre the Giant, which right. we'll get into. A um, couple of decent matches here and there. Um, best match, and actually, in my opinion, the best match ever okay. is uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy Savage. I'll go with that. I'll oh, definitely go with that. What a great back-and-forth match. Heel versus face. Mm-hmm. Both of them, they could work on the ground. Both of them could work in the air. I'm going to disagree with this match because I really think that the quality match was really King Kong Buddy, Little Tokyo, and Lord Little Brook versus Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver, and the Haiti Kid. Because I really think midgets just make. I'm sorry, little people. I'm not going to. You know, I don't want to be. You know, that's okay. That's insulting. okay. But I'm going to say I think that was the top quality match because you know at the time. You know, hey, you know what? Midgets always improve the work rate, don't they? Oh yes, and they all attack King Kong Bunnies like that. The oh, well, yeah, that's. <laughs> Because always, it's always the uh, it's always the little people. They always well, band together and attack the heel at the end. Exactly, they're like their own little community. And if you know, if you're on their side, they'll show you where their gold is hidden. Actually, the six man tag match with the Heart Foundation, Dane Davis versus uh, British Bulldog and Steel Santana, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. I mean, Dane Davis was kind of, Ugh, but the other five actually were right. great workers. But, it, at the but time, at the time, so. though, that's when you could see the Dynamite Kid was really starting to break. It was starting down. to hurt. He was starting to hurt. It's too bad he went before his time. He really, he really ended up before his time. Right. Um. I'm trying to think who else. Rujos and the Dream Team weren't too bad. Those and the Rujos were kind of they weren't the heels yet. Right. There were still actually there were baby faces that no one really knew about yet. And um but they were still they still put on a kind of a decent match. This was also the match where um I think it was what happened with the Dream uh, was it the the Rujo brothers won. Yeah. And the, and uh, Valentine turned on Beefcake and, and Beefcake ended up becoming um the bar- Brutus the Barber beefcake. Right, because now we have Roddy Piper versus Adrian Donis, where it was a whole and thing. And a hair match. Where, right, it's supposed to be Roddy's last match, too. Yeah. And, uh, of course, <laughs> Roddy Piper won, and they put him in the chair, and, of course, Beefcake came down and became, that's basically where the barber, whole barber shtick kind of... A, yeah, he became a... He became there. A huge mulleted uh, face. Right. Also, we have uh, on here uh, Jake the Snake versus Honky Tonk Man. I thought, you know, again, I think that was a decent match. It was a decent match because, um, I mean, great Jake, yeah. Jake was awesome. And the Honky Tonk Man is just, he's such a great character. He was never a great wrestler. But he, he was but okay. as a character, 
as a or, character, I mean, an Elvis impersonator. How how would how hard is it to to hate an Elvis impersonator? Oh, it's, it's not like, very hard at all. I got long sideburns and my hair slicked back. I'm coming to your town in my pink Cadillac. I'm just a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. I'm just a honky tonk man. I'm just a honky tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. Um, but I do want to get back. First of all, I want to get back to the uh, the the, the uh, six man tag match with the midgets. Okay, good. Um, all right. First of all, do you, do you find it creepy watching them like run around the ring? A little bit. It's like, or you hear like the Benny Hill theme song or something yeah, like that. Always. And you know, and again, it's this isn't to insult little people or no, anything like that. Not. But but at the same time, I think you know, I, I think if you look at, I'm not going to get too off the subject here, but if you look at how it looks at today as compared to then, it was actually looked at a very big stereotype. Oh yeah, absolutely. I it was mean, all it, comedy, and they couldn't do anything but be the comic relief. Right. But one thing, one thing, I, I, it, oh, by the way, Jim wanted me to to uh, parlay that his uh, favorite part. Oh, WrestleMania three is actually when King Kong Bundy splashed uh, Little Beaver, because <laughs> that's just that's just comedy right there. When the five hundred pound guy beats up on the five pound guy, and it's, just, it's and, very funny. And the fact the way you just kind of said that King Kong Bundy just splashed the Little Beaver, mm-hmm. that's what she said. <laughs> I um, had to get that. Honestly, no, that 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 joke right there, just you know. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But you know what? It was funny. What I really hate about mixed tag matches like this was that the rules were big guys had to fight big guys little guys had to fight little guys right, so it was never the if, if you make if you make the tag yeah if you make the tag the other guy has to automatically come in it's the same thing with women's match like you know mixed gender matches right unless, same thing it's like come on unless the that's... rules were said whoever is in the ring has to wrestle yeah but most of the time whoever it was it yeah you had to basically even it off right um again i gotta go back to steamboat versus savage as well because what uh i just I can't say enough good things about this match. I think those two were in their peak, their prime at the time. That right. was their, their peak of their... Uh, well, their again, it was that building drama because um, Savage had dropped the uh, the bell yep. on, on Steamboat's uh, throat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you want you want add drama, just, just injure the guy horribly. Yep. And for a year straight, those two feuded and feuded and feuded. And, like I said, it's between both guys were great on their feet, but both guys, when they got up on that top rope and dropped whatever the hell they had to drop, yeah, they were they were unstoppable. And you know, Steamboat, I think, was very. I think I think at times Steamboat was underrated. He's, yeah, I because, mentioned that earlier. You know, He's incredibly again, underrated. Again, he just was because I think just again, you know, it's the point because you know he did a great job. He was very soft spoken. Yep. Um, but he was just incredible in the ring. Well, that's the thing. He was never dynamic. No. Yeah. Um, he is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, though, which I'm excited about. That, that's that's he's also great. in WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, he's, he's Chris, oh Chris yeah. Jericho, him, um, and, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Jimmy Snuka, and Roddy Piper are fighting Chris Jericho with Ric Flair in the corner. In the corner of the of the legends, yeah. I don't want to see that. No, only I because think it's I don't be. want to see because a Jericho's going to have to have to get pinned. Well, at the same time, it is going to give him a lot. It is giving him a lot of good heel heat. Oh, it's, I think it really makes him make it. It's like, I, I like I like the way it's going, though. I mean, it's a good way to throw legends in and make it look good. Right. Well, we, I mean, Ricky Steamboat has had horrible back problems for the last fifteen years, yep. so he'll probably bring out an okay match. Yep. Roddy Piper, I, I don't think he, he even knows what a tanning bed is. He's got the he, he's got the bad hip. He's got well, no, he's got two bad hips. Right. Those things have been replaced on multiple occasions, and he's pasty white. Yep. Jimmy Snuka, if he shows, oh my God, if he shows up in his little loincloth. Oh, Oh god! I will have to run to the bathroom. He probably won't. It'll probably come in the uh, the the new one that he had a while ago. Oh god! I just I, I between that and just the 
the fact that I mean Chris Jericho has been undermined so many times by so many guys because he's got to take the pin to ridiculous guys, and yep. usually when they do that, it means that they're getting elevated a little higher. And yeah. it's never been that case with Chris Jericho. Absolutely, he's he's had a shot at the top every once in a while, but he always they always just pull it away a little yep. too prematurely. So, um, but back to let's get to the main event. Hogan um, Giant. Hogan and Giant. Yep, Andre the Giant was. Hulk Hogan's buddy for years and he finally turns on because he figures it's his turn mm-hmm. look at me when I'm talking to you I'm there for one reason to challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania this is as Scott Keith puts it the the worst wrestled big match in wrestling history okay. because you've got the a movable object Versus the unmovable object. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna put it plainly. You know, you get two slugs in the ring. Andre yeah. was never a good wrestler no. at all. He's a big guy. He's a physical specimen. He was an attraction. Of, yeah, he's a freak show. Yeah, and they brought that 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 in there. Um, I do. You know, the whole match culminates with uh, Hogan slamming Andre. Yeah, and then getting the pin that way because Andre had never left his feet in. And I will say, twenty years to be able to do that was—I'll give Hulk credit. He it was credible the fact that he was able to get him up like that. Right now, let's let's get to Hogan's side of the story. However, um, Hogan was always saying that he was worried that Andre was going to shoot on him, meaning that he wasn't going to let him pin him. Mm. That he was afraid that Andre was going to try to steal a pin. Which, A, makes Andre look like an absolute asshole right. for doing, you know, if you were going to do that. And secondly, uh, Hogan has, has later on said, in, kind of in conjunction with, with this lie about he was worried about Andre shooting on him, that, that Andre actually said, slam me, boss. Which means that he was like, okay, I'm, I'm letting you put, put me up. Right. The other part of Hogan's story is, is A, the amount of people at the Pontiac Silverdome. I believe the number is now up to 5 million people watching the Pontiac Silverdome. And I think, I believe, the weight of Andre the Giant kept increasing as well. Andre was, what, 475? Something like that. 525, around that area, you know, in 1987 at WrestleMania III. Um, it's, it's gone up to, like, 5,000 pounds, and he pressed him over his head, which... The, calling what Hulk Hogan did to Andre the Giant a body slam is really being generous because he barely got him. I don't think he got him past his shoulder. I think it was no, just but kind it, of was, a, it was it was for what he did was as as a somewhat body slam. You right. have to really look at it, but right. to get him to do that, it was just oh. But God. it wasn't like it, it, it wasn't like WrestleMania twenty when John Cena put uh, the Big Show on his shoulders yeah. and gave him the fu. It was right. the, oh, I'm sorry, the move formerly known as the fu. Yeah. Um, it wasn't nearly as impressive as that at right. the time. Yeah, it was cool, but oh, what a what a terrible match! And just poor Andre getting carted out afterwards, getting you know pelted with garbage on his way out. Oh god! And you know what the funny thing is too is that right around this time they're trying to build up all this heel heat for him. He becomes beloved by moviegoers everywhere. Is oh, physic and, yeah, uh, and the Princess Bride. Bride. It's kind of ironic, you know. Oh, that's 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 horrible. Um. Then WrestleMania four. Yep. All right. Let's let, we have to get a little backstory as to what happened. Not, and again, this is all for our non wrestling listeners. Um, anyone who does follow wrestling, you'll know everything that's going on already. But in between WrestleManias three and four, um, Hogan and Andre had a match on on Saturday night's main event. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre had Hogan down for a pin. There was a two count. Hogan very visibly in front of the ref 
picked up his shoulder to, to break the count, the ref continued to count to three, awarding Andre the belt. Uh, turns out that there was a crooked ref and Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, my favorite heel ever. Absolutely. I could um, totally agree with you. Oh, yeah. The, um, it turns out that DiBiase had paid to get a crooked ref in there and had um, paid Andre to hand him the belt as soon as yep. he had um, you know, as soon as he had won. Uh, and what happened was, because that was a violation of some rules... Uh, the the belt had to become vacated. Yep. So nobody had the belt. So going into WrestleMania four, you've got their world championship uh, tournament. Yep. I remember this. Four and a half hours of my life that are just so hard to try to get back. Oh, you oh, know, and the funny Christ. thing is, if they had not done that, I think it would have been a lot better. Well, they could have shortened it down or, or, or reduced the brackets. This was, I think, on record, still the longest WrestleMania. It's four and a half hours long. Yep. And most of these matches are just god awful. Some of these guys that they let. Go back in. Like, they get the first win, and then they get to go through a second match. Right. The one-man gang? I know. Oh, my God. Versus Bam Bam Bigelow. It was like yeah. fat guy versus fat guy. Yeah, well, the thing with Bam Bam Bigelow was Bam Bam Bigelow was awesome because he was a fat guy who could do cartwheels. What did you do? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you had, like, guys like, you know, Ravaging Rigrude versus Jake the Snake. That had nothing to do with the tournament. You know, go with kind of the other ones. Oh, we're going to get into that because okay. that was a good match. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think what else was a good match. I mean, they had Andre and Hogan again. Oh, um, yeah, which, again, ended in a disqualification of both guys. Right. Then uh, Morocco versus Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man won that one. Yep. Um, there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of crap Valentine versus Savage. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Was, well, you know, the thing was that Ricky Steamboat actually was uh, fought Greg Valentine first. Right. And um, they ended up just uh, having a decent match, but Ricky Steamboat was on the outs for the company at the time. Yeah. Because he wanted to go have a bit, you know, he and his wife wanted to uh, go raise kids. How dare he? And Vince didn't want him to do that. Because Vince is such a saint. Yes. Um, yeah, best match, Rude versus Jake. Absolutely. This was the start of a great feud between the two because they were fighting over uh, Cheryl, Cheryl Roberts, Jake's yeah. wife. And because Rick Rude was at, you know, putting the, you know, putting the moves. I remember one of the Saturday, was either Saturday night main event or one of the Saturday shows that they recapped the, something where Rick Rude's doing his dance... You know, he's got his perm and all that stuff. Yep. And he takes his pants and he rips them off. And there's another pair of tights underneath with, like, a, the sprayed Cheryl, you know. Yeah, with, with uh, Jake's wife on, so on the crotch. Jake runs out, a <laughs> couple pounds, takes them, and pantses them. Yeah. So, basically, Rude's got nothing on. I remember seeing a few shots. I looked very closely. He didn't have I mean, he made a cup in the front. Yeah. But there was nothing else oh, covering man. it. Because they actually was... had a few shots where you, you saw, like, you saw everything at Rick Rude. Oh, God. Yeah, it, it was, was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, awesome match, though. Another another great match, too, was DiBiase versus uh, Savage. Yep. Um, the, the thing I love about this match is because DiBiase is such a, just a dominating heel. Even though his character alone dictates that he should be more of a coward. Yeah. Uh, because his whole gimmick is he's the million-dollar man. Anybody can be bought. Andre could be bought. Yep. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Cause the million dollar man always gets his way. <laughs> But he 
when when it came time to just step in the ring, he was he was all business. Yeah, and I think what made him fun was he was evil in the sense that he didn't have to be a sniveling coward. Right. You know, you know he would cheat during matches and all. And this is when Savage was a, was a face, which I I never bought Savage as a face. No. Um, my issue though with this match, what really kind of disqualifies it for being the best match of the night is because Hogan had to shoehorn himself in there at the very end oh, and of bring out a chair and cheat to win because, again, great American. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd end up cheating to win. Yep. And, you know, at, at the end it was Hogan holding up Randy Savage's hand with the, with the new world title. Right. But still just kind of like, hey, everybody, pointing at him, pointing at me, brother, pointing at him, pointing at me, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bad all around. Uh, and this was held at the uh, the Trump Plaza, right in Atlantic City, which they would go back to uh, for WrestleMania five. Yep. Um, things had soured between uh, Mr. Hogan and Mr. Savage at the time. Yes, the the was the Mega Powers exploded. Yes, exactly. Right, the Mega Powers exploded. Here's my favorite part about the Mega Powers: the Mega Powers, the team of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Uh, they were friends for life, brother. And they're you know I'd do anything for him, brother. Yada yada yada, brother. Why do they always dress like Hulk Hogan? Yeah, it was always red and yellow. It was always red and yellow. Red and yellow. And, um, well, actually, I think the reason why was I think um, Savage was a big McDonald's fan. He must have been. No pukesters helping me to the left. And no pukesters helping me to the right. Because so he was still pretty cut. but Even she had the, you know, like the, the red and yellow outfits. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think they even had like mega powers in their ass or something like that. Yeah. It was, it, 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 it's, it's terrible. We'll get into the main event in a second. Uh, best match of that night, though, Strike Force versus the Brain Busters. Oh, yes. Because you got the classic heels of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, former Four Horsemen from NWA, fighting uh, Rick Martel mm-hmm. and Tito Santana, yep. who, were the, who were trying to get their tag titles back at the time. Um, best thing about this match, I mean, it's a good back-and-forth match. All four guys bring the goods, but when... Santana accidentally knocks Martel off the uh, off the apron. Yep. Martel takes offense and walks away. He walks away, and this is the heel turn, and yep. Strike Force broke up the after that. Big heel turn, and then Anderson and Blanchard beat Santana from pillar to post. Yep. And I remember watching this, and I remember feeling so helpless. <laughs> you know, it was just like you know because I knew it was fake, but it, you know you just get emotionally drawn into that, and just watching Tito just being beaten like a government mule. You know, and the other match that I kind of liked, and I know it's going to sound weird, was actually uh, Perfect versus Blue Blazer. Yeah? Uh, only, I mean, it was a young Owen Hart before he was really got, you know, got himself really before to the company. Before he was Owen but Hart. This was actually when Perfect was really kind of in his, you know, getting into his Coming thing. in, yep. And uh, Perfect just looked great in the ring. I, I loved Kurt Hennig. Oh, yeah. And um, he was just fun to watch in the ring, and uh, that was also a good thing. I also got to see the Rockers at the time. Yeah, they were against a crappy tag team. But yeah, well, they were, they, and they never won. That no. was always funny too. That the Rockers, who had Shawn Michaels in, never won matches back in the back in the early WrestleManias. Um, yeah, yeah, they went to like uh, the next one, like seven, I think. So, yeah, it was like right. seven or eight. And the no, sad thing seven, is, yeah. personally, they were my favorite tag team. Really, they were my all-time favorite tag team. I always time. thought they were decent, but they were never my favorite. And we were. We actually have that as a segment coming up in just a little bit. Now, I believe WrestleMania Five was uh, the infamous Duggan Booger. Yes, it was. Oh I think my. it just hung right out. You know, that was yep. Duggan Booger. Yeah. Who did Who did Jim Duggan fight in that uh, match? Let me see. He actually fought Bad News Brown. Bad News Brown. That's the right. Move, the Ghetto Blaster. What a great <laughs> name. Yep. Um, after After the match is over, Jim Duggan just has this snot that's just hanging off of his mustache. Yep. 
and nobody told him, like, no one did, like, that little motion, like, hey, wipe. You got a little bit something right here. Yeah. Oh. And we just remember watching that and just, ah! And then Jim's father is just like, well, why don't you have the Bushwhackers come out and lick it off? <laughs> Speaking of the Bushwhackers, it was also the match with, the, with them and the Rougeos. Oh, yeah. The, well, at um, one point, the Rougeau like, crash rub. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, like, you know, it picks up Luke or Butch or whoever it was. And all of a sudden, Butch grabs the pack and starts rubbing it before yeah. he gets slammed. Oh. Which is kind of funny. You just get this good catch of it. Which is oh, kind of funny. Just... But, I th- but I still think all-time match of the night, and I know you're not going to disagree, was the Red Rooster... Versus Bobby the Brain Heenan. I as think a that matter was of quality. fact, Mike, I had that listed as my worst match of the evening. Come on, that was the quality match, the <laughs> Red Rooster. In fact, actually, that is a hair um, option in WrestleMania Raw versus SmackDown. Oh, really? You, you can, can actually create do the, the Red Rooster. So you can have, like, the yellow mullet with you can the... Have the, yellow, with the it doesn't have the theme song. It doesn't oh. have the chicken-scratching theme song, but... I don't know, you have to unlock it. Oh, what a, what a, what a tragic story of, of Terry Taylor. Mm. You know, he comes in, and he finally gets his big break at the big show... And he ends up having to portray a character that was essentially an insult. He was man- being managed by Bobby Heenan, and Heenan didn't think he had what it took, so we called him a little red rooster. Yep. So instead of saying, I'm not a rooster, I'll show you, what does he do? He embraces it, puts a big red streak in his hair, and then comes down to the ring, like, you know, bobbing his head and pecking and, like, scratching. And crowing, going like, <laughs> Oh, and Bobby Heenan was about 80 at the time. You know the sad thing was? There were actually a lot of people that enjoyed the gimmick at the time. Like, just not enjoyed it so much, but people got, like, he got the crowd going. Yeah. Yeah, that was the funny part. Yeah, it's just, it was about five minutes of just sheer terror watching that match. Uh, Main event, Hogan versus Savage. And, of course, you know. The one thing I'll give Hogan in this match is he actually let Savage beat the living shit out of him. I will say, I think the, la- the next few WrestleManias, at least the next, like, two, were kind of where Hogan was kind of at his best. I in, think... It, it, relatively speaking. Alright, in terms of what? His work rate? Or work his... rate, and even just kind of knowing when to, you know, give it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think... But we'll get into that for the next Well, one. I think what he'd realized, because, I mean, for the last bunch of WrestleManias, it was Hogan versus the big guy. Yeah. And this time he actually fought a guy who kind of stood toe-to-toe with him. Yep. Was actually much more talented in the ring. Right. Hulkamania is dead! Than, than, than Hogan ever was. Yeah. And he really just figured out, okay, the best way for me to do this is you turn on me, you beat the crap out of me, and then I'll make my comeback and win. Exactly. Um... And it, it worked okay. I mean, it's not a bad match. I mean, realistically speaking, out of all the matches that Hulk Hogan fought in the in the ten that we're talking about today, he he wrestled in nine main events. Yep. Um, this is the best match he's had. Yeah. This is the best match I think he's ever had. Um, I don't know if I agree with that one. Well, there's an Orndorff match. That Orndorff cage match on a Saturday Night's main event was really good. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, it, to me, that's that that's about it. Yeah. So uh, let's take a break for uh, some of our listener email. Um, email was a little light this week, a little disappointed about that, but I do know some people's stuff. Jim had already kind of talked about some stuff. Uh, our friend Brian P. Dermody uh, had mentioned that the worst match ever in WrestleMania history, which we'll be bringing up in just a little bit, though, was uh, Jake versus Rick Martel in the blindfold match. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that one, because that, trust me, we are going to cover that. Um, first one comes from our buddy Steve-O in upstate New York. Uh, my favorite WrestleMania memories are rather sparse, but I'll have to start with WrestleMania 7, since that was my first. The Jake Roberts-Rick Martel blindfold match was pretty funny since it, uh, 
since at a few points you could clearly see the mess that they were intended to see through. Back then, since I was 11, it was pretty exciting stuff because I bought into it. Now it's pretty laughable. My other favorite has little to do with wrestling, but it's from WrestleMania 8. It's basically he just heen and talked about Tito Santana's cousin, Ariba McIntyre. That was hysterical. Yeah. That was tremendous, Brian. Boy, can Tito's sister belt one out. Will you stop? It's Ariba McIntyre. It is not. Woo! Um, we also have one from our, uh, our buddy Chris in Hudson. Uh, this is the email. Okay, guys, here's my pick for the greatest matches and wrestlers from WrestleManias of old. Matches. His favorite match. We'll start at number four. Rowdy Roddy Piper versus adorable Adrian Adonis. Piper's retirement match. Keep in mind, this is retirement version uh, 1.0. Yes. Um, you want to read the next one, Mike? And we got number three was Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6. Number two, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels, the latter match at WrestleMania 10. And the number one, which I think we both definitely agreed on, was Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll go with that oh, one. Yeah. Absolutely. Favorite wrestlers. Uh, number four, The Ultimate Warrior. Number three was Roddy Roddy Piper. Number two, Andre the Giant. And one was Hulk Hogan. Yep. Worst matches, anything from WrestleMania 9. And trust me, Chris, we will be talking about that. Yes. Uh, Chris's worst wrestlers, uh, number four, I don't think this should count because he's actually not a wrestler. And he wasn't in any of the WrestleManias, if yep. I remember correctly. The Even gobbledygooker. Yep, or the gobbledygooker, whatever yeah. they call it. And number three was the Red Rooster. Number two was Skinner. Oh, God. From the right. Everglades. Yep, and number <laughs> one was Doink. Doink the Clown. Uh, only wrestled at one, well, actually, Matt Bourne only wrestled at one. And then the other guy wrestled at another one. Yeah. In closing... Uh, message from the most ineligible wrestler in the history of the sport. Oh, it's a YouTube, YouTube clip. It's a YouTube clip. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so I, I can't play that. Because no. I'm just not equipped for that right now. Soon. Soon. <laughs> um, I also want to take a minute to uh, thank uh, our, our friend Kevin Marshall at Living Under Martial Law for giving us our opening for today's show, that great, crazy Ultimate Warrior promo. Oh, yeah. Kevin, I hope you're feeling better. I understand you're a little sick, a little under the weather, and thank you so much um, for contributing. We, we have that. Speaking of contributing... Let's uh, take a word from Mike G, uh, who's got a couple words to say about uh, Mr. Hulk Hogan and his cartoon, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Take it away, Mike. Greetings, Hulkamaniacs. Just kidding. Now, I have to admit, I am not a wrestling fan. Pretty much all the knowledge of wrestling that I have I gained from primarily two sources. The first was an old WrestleMania game I played with my younger brother on the Super Nintendo. And pretty much the only wrestler from that that I can recall is The Undertaker. And that's only because I used him all the time. I was actually pretty good with him. My other source of wrestling is what I'm here to talk about today. Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. This was a Saturday morning cartoon that I do remember vaguely watching when I was like 7. In preparation for my segment here, I hopped onto YouTube and watched a couple of episodes. Holy crap. Apparently the makers of the show thought, how can we take wrestling, rip every ounce of self-respect out of it, and make it as offensive as possible? And they succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Now, there were the good guy wrestlers, led by Hulk Hogan, who was voiced by Brad Garrett. And there were the bad guy wrestlers, who, if my vague memories of them are correct, were led by Rowdy Roddy Piper. What was it about Saturday morning cartoons in the 80s that the bad guy leaders were almost always complete idiots? These guys didn't have enough intelligence to work out lather, rinse, repeat, yet they somehow get a team of villains or mercenaries to follow them? Roddy Piper, Cobra Commander, Duke Igthorn... In any case, one thing that really jumped out at me while I was watching those episodes is, why are all the good guys from America, and all the bad guys were either from America or Asia? Roddy Piper was clearly an American, albeit with an unhealthy Scottish fixation. 
But there was the scheming Middle Eastern Iron Sheik, the mentally inept Russian Nikolai Volkov, and the painfully stereotyped Asian Mr. Fuji. Now, the good guys did have one Mexican-style wrestler with them, but that was just as painful a stereotype as Mr. Fuji, right down to his huge sombrero. Now, maybe this is how wrestling was at the time, and I'm just revealing how clueless about it I am, but watching it now, I was just thinking about how this show would never make it to air these days, and that filled me with an enormous amount of relief. Well, anyway, I'm out. But I leave you with this question. Alice Cooper in Jake the Snake's Corner? Seriously? <laughs> Mike makes a lot of good points. Oh, absolutely. Brad, yeah. I remember, yeah, Brad Garrett, and I think it was his name, James Avery. Was James the, Avery was the junkyard dog. dog. Oh, just, it's just and that so was it. I don't remember anybody else who was doing the voices. Well, the and then they had the little, they had little live action skits in between. Yeah. Like at one point, Andre Giant trying to get a car, and he couldn't fit in any of them, so they gave him like a, I think it was like a, like a street sweeper or something like that <laughs> they could fit in. The thing with that was that it, it's a terrible idea to make a cartoon of something that is so timely as wrestling. It changes too much. Well, when it ca- yeah, exactly. When the show aired, Snooka was pretty much out of the company. Wendy Richter was already out of the company. And then Andre was just ready to turn heel. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's on the good guy team, you know? Yep, exactly. I mean, I was always hoping for a season two where they'd, like, try to May West up uh, Miss Elizabeth or something like that, have Randy Savage being yet another doddering fool <laughs> uh, for Piper to fight. And even Piper turned face at that point, too. Right. So, it's just a bad idea. All right, let's uh, go north of the border to Canada, Toronto, at All Sky right. Dome for WrestleMania six. This was the first face versus face main event, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Title for title. Title, Yeah, exactly, title for title. Um, we'll get into that in a second. The best match of the evening, i got to give that to uh, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Ted DiBiase. All right, I'll go with that. What a good match. Absolutely. Uh, Jake was really, I think, hitting his stride. Um, he was—he had been turned face, and his whole his whole thing was just, he was quoting the Bible, and mm-hmm. he was just using the literal terms from the Bible to apply to all of his opponents. Yep. And that whole thing um, about Ted DiBiase being, you know, left in the muck of avarice, mm-hmm. and, you know, the one thing he'll beg for is the mo- his own money. Yeah. Uh, what a great just great psychology going into the match. Both guys working their asses off. I'm gonna go with my uh, my definitely my another rocker match yep, for okay. the Orient Express. Oh. Orient Express. Yep. The Orient Express were actually pretty cool at the time. Yeah. And Mr. Fuji kind of brought those guys out. And, you yeah. Know, and they were, it was actually that was a very good technical match. Yeah. Because all four of those guys looked awesome in the ring, and I thought the Orient Express were kind of cool at the time. Yeah. It's also so, um, it's this is also the last time you saw Andre the Giant. Yes, it was. That's yeah. right. Because uh, that's last when match. Um, that's when uh, Demolition and. Uh, they fought Demolition for the titles, and Demolition got the titles back. Yep, and Andre turned face, beat up Bobby Heenan. The and people have been waiting it. like three years for that to happen. And I believe right after WrestleMania, Demolition turned heel for no reason. Yeah, I don't. I, I think they may have. I was they kinda, did because then they all of a sudden brought in Crush a couple months later. Yeah, I was I was kind of off wrestling at this point for a while. Yeah, um, this is very. They did. I remember all of a sudden they just came out and started saying, well, "We're gonna take on anybody. We don't care anymore." You know. Yeah. It was just for no reason. It wasn't really. Unsol- it was like unsolicited. You know, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. All of a sudden, like you know, they're hugging each other and the you know getting the crowd going. You know, we're t- you know champions again. Next thing you know, they come up and do an interview and they're like, you know, saying we're gonna go through everybody. We're gonna destroy this whole company. You know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, well, oh, Demolition happened? were a great tag team, though. Yeah. I, I loved watching Demolition because they just, they were the 
quint- the quintessential big man tag team. Yeah. They were unstoppable. And they were just, I mean, they, they really just, you know, lack of a better term, they demolished their competitors. Right. Um, worst match of the evening. I got to throw this to uh, Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire. Oh, yeah. Savage and Sherry Martell. Absolutely. Holy shit. That was what awful. a horrible fucking match. Um, not, so, I mean, I can't take much away from Savage. I mean, we, we, we've spoke volumes about Savage, um, and, you know, in the last couple of shows. Um, Dusty Rhodes is an American legend. Yeah. Um, here's the problem. Dusty Rhodes is also 400 pounds. Um, Sapphire wasn't too far behind him. And the fact that they actually let the women wrestle. And the polka dots. I mean, it was just, it was pretty much a joke. Right, exactly. I mean, the polka dots are entrancing, especially when they're covering, like, over a mile's worth of uh, Dusty's ass. Yeah. Oh, it was just horrible match. And the, the, the big blow-off to this match was that uh, Miss Elizabeth, who had broken off from Randy Savage at the time, was sitting at ringside. Yep. And no, Savage kept... she wasn't sitting there. No, she came out. Um, Dusty Rhodes brought her out as the, the, the crown jewels. Oh, that's right. She was sitting in seven. Oh, you think it was seven? Yeah. Um, no, they brought. That was uh, there was something where they Dusty Rhodes kept mentioning he had the crown jewels. Yeah. And you didn't know what the crown jewels were. It was this big mystery. And Dusty Rhodes announced we have the crown jewels. We could bring out Miss Elizabeth. And Miss Elizabeth came out as the crown jewels. She was like the secret weapon. Yeah. Totally threw Savage off. So it was basically a three on two thing. Yeah. And at one point, um, you see Miss Elizabeth actually club. Um, Sherry, Sherry with, that, yeah. with that purse that had like the metal in it or whatever, yeah. and so that was kind of how that worked. Oh, what a yeah! Just it's just it's just a bad match because it was just it, it, maybe it's just a sense of just sensory deprivation, you know, sensory overload. Yeah, just too much going on for a match. It just isn't that good to begin with, right? Uh, any other notables you want to mention there? Mike? Um, one thing I did I couldn't notice. Remember when um it was the uh, Bad News Brown versus Rowdy Roddy Piper? Oh God, when Piper was, when was half black, yeah. half white. Yeah, there's also all painted up. Oh, oh yeah, it was awful. What a what what a kind and giving man that that Roddy Piper is. But uh, no, I remember he painted himself black, half black, half white. I'm going, yeah, this isn't racist. Yep, yeah. You know what the funny thing is, and I really wish I had a clip of this. I can't find it anywhere. There was this great promo on on some TV uh, main event. Hulk Hogan was going to fight Bad News Brown, mm-hmm. and he actually called him a no good darky. Oh God! <laughs> oh, our I, American hero. huh? Oh yes. Oh, I wish I had that. But yeah, Roddy Piper didn't do too much. It didn't do much to help uh, no. race relations at the time. Uh, any others? That you um, can think of? No, I mean you know, like Snake vs. Million Dollar Man. I think we just we yeah, covered some, that. I mean, there's some decent matches in that here. That was that was a great match, and of course, you know, you know, outside of the main event, I mean, it is kind of a blah um, a card. I will give the Hulk and Warrior match good because I think both those guys worked did really did work their asses off. I think yeah, it was, um, they really did put their 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 best efforts, and I think that was probably the best both of those guys ever looked. The colors of the Hulkamaniacs are coming through the pores of my skin. I, I, from everything I've heard, um, primarily what it came down to was the fact that they choreographed this thing to death. Because if yeah. they didn't, if they left both of their own devices, it would have been a lot worse. Well, it really showed they wanted to put on a good show, and it really showed that at the time they really wanted to do it to make it look good. Right. And it did. They did. They yeah. really did. My, I, I mean, what I what I thought was hysterical is that the the the, the, the Pontiac Silver. I don't want to talk about the Sky Dome in Toronto was a enormous place, and they would bring all the wrestlers down in those little like those little ring carts. Yep. 
Warrior has to be different. Warrior charges down the ring at full speed. Absolutely. And shakes the shakes the ropes. By the time the bell rang, he was winded. Gas. Oh, he was done. Um, and just oh, was just, I think that affected him too. The funny thing is when after they gave um, Ultimate Warrior the belt. Yep. Remember he used to like run down to the ring and he'd like twirl the belt over his head and throw it. And you know, I understand the the, the heavyweight championship is a prop. Yep. But show it some respect. Oh I know. Remember I believe he had like a puke green uh Oh, it was like, like yellow. The, yeah, the, it was, leather, the leather on the belt. At one was point, like, it was. I remember when he had the the, the heavyweight title. Uh, the last time he had it, it was like crest blue. Yeah, it was awful. Oh yeah. At one point, he had it white. Okay, I can. That's okay. I can do. <laughs> I can deal with white because that goes with anything. Yeah. Um. Then that brings us to uh, WrestleMania Seven. This was the first one I ever taped. Really? This was the first Wrestle paper I actually got. Okay. I will say. Uh, it was right after the um the first Iraq War. Yep. And what they had done was, um, Sergeant Slaughter, you know, American hero, you know, G.I. Joe, turn it becomes an Iraqi turncoat. Ah, uh, yes, he's a sympathizer. Yeah, it was something to do, essentially. <laughs> they had to build interest in him somehow. So there was this big match plan between Sergeant Slaughter and Hulk Hogan, the American hero, yep. for, uh, for the title. Um, originally it was supposed to happen at the, uh... I, some some other place in L.A., like the Coliseum in L.A., it ended up having to get moved to the sports sports auditorium. Mm-hmm. They said it was because of a bomb threat. Turns out it was just that nobody was interested in buying the show. Yeah. Because uh, this is kind of where, you know, the, the Hogan salad days had really ended. Things started to skid. Well, they were starting to go, the, start going downhill. Only bit. the hardcores and the rubes yep. were watching it at this point. Um, yeah, it wasn't a bad show. It was it was an okay show. There wasn't a whole right. lot going on. Uh, best match, I, in my opinion, was Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Yes, the ulti- I am actually going to give the Ultimate Warrior credit and give him best match of the Absolutely. night. Absolutely, I was going to totally agree with you because I'll tell you, those again, it was another one, that was probably two of the best Warrior matches. He just just was great. Well, the, it was the one time he didn't run down the ring either. Yeah. yeah. Remember once he, Bobby goes, why isn't he running? 180 miles an hour like that insane bull usually does. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing with the thing of the match is Savage just knew he was he was planning on retiring, yep. taking some time off, and he just worked his ass off to make the Warrior look good. Yeah. Oh, and he did he did a great job. And he it was did. also the return of when Elizabeth and him. Yep. Yeah. He he and Elizabeth reunited, and then they got married, and they were already married. I remember then, Bobby Heenan like goes, he turned into a big softy. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know what I remember the most about that match though is after they you know after they get their big hug, they cut to the people in the audience, and there's like this big fat chick with I. I don't know if it, if it's just a, like a big dead yellow duck on her head or something like that, but yep. she's wiping away tears. Oh yeah, I remember that. Rubes. Uh, worst match. I think everybody brought this one up uh, from our our listener emails. Jake versus Rick Martell in a blindfold match. That was stupid. Do you want to set the uh, Do you want to set the uh, the tone for this? All one? right. Basically, it went back months ago where Jake the Snake was on the Brother Love Show. Rick Martell came on the Brother Love Show, too, and basically started spraying arrogance at Damien. And it annoyed Jake, and so Jake pushed him, and the arrogance sprayed into Jake's face. Here's something that really opens up my baby's carburetor. Come on, baby. Mm -hmm. Arrogance. Yes, 
the man's cologne that primes pistons. Yes, that makes spark plugs grow hotter and that improves your engine's performance. <laughs> I love it. And now, put the brakes on the mundane and accelerate into the fast lane with arrogance. Well, Jake was going to have now eye damage and was going to be blind. And I remember at one point, Jake comes out to get an apology from Rick Martell. Rick Martell, of course, is making fun of him with, a, like, a cane and all that stuff. He has black eye. You know, he's got the glasses yeah. on. Hits him, and, of course, you see Jake, all of a sudden, his sunglasses come off. One of his eyes is red, with a red contact. The other one is, is a white contact. <laughs> and they're all freaking out, going, oh, my God, look at his eyes. Oh, my God, they'll never be the same again. So, of course, as time is going on, his eyes are actually healing. And he magically gets his eyesight back, and this leads to a blindfold match yeah. at WrestleMania. It should be mentioned, first of all, that arrogance is dispensed in, like, one of those those, those, those plant sprayers. Yes. With, like, the big canister on the bottom of it. Um, yeah, the entire match, essentially, is two guys groping around, listening for the fans to either cheer or boo. Yep. Um, the best way to describe this match is just think of two guys wearing blindfolds and just work it out from there. It's... And other than that, it was actually a little bit of comic relief on Rick Mattel's part. Yeah. The sad thing was he kind of carried that match. Well, he had to. Because he was funny. You know, he tried to slam something. He you know, ends up hitting his hand. Well, that, that's kind of <coughs> match where, where a heel really has to, Absolutely. You know, so if it. anything, you know, if anything, he made that match. Well, it wasn't watchable, but he made it. If anything, it was just, it was just funny to watch him in the match. Right, right. Um, that brings us to the main event. Sergeant Slaughter versus Hulk Hogan. Ah, uh, no. yes. Um, considering... Sergeant Slaughter was about five years past his prime at this mm -hmm. point, and Hulk Hogan was really starting to deteriorate and just more. I think he had more interest in doing movies. Yep. Um, he had already done No Holds Barred, which had tanked. I think he was about ready to um, go do uh, Suburban Commando, oh, or he had just finished Suburban Commando and going on to do Mr. Nanny. Right. Um, it was just you, you, you're watching a guy like like an old person wrestling a guy who hasn't wrestled in years. Yep. It was just so much ring rust. My favorite part of the match, though, is at the very end, Hogan gets the big boot and the uh, the leg drop, and he beats the the awful Iraqi sympathizer. The they hero. wrap him with the American flag, and what does he do? He wipes the blood off of his face with the American flag. Oh. God. You know, I don't remember a whole lot from uh, my Cub Scout days, but what I do remember is... You don't do that. Don't like. don't wipe blood off your face with the American flag. That's just let it touch the ground. I mean, oh. come on. Yeah, well, I, I, well, considering, you know, but are you allowed to let it touch, um, you know, sweaty orange flesh? That's true. Hulk Hogan, the tan that walks I'm like a man. Surprised it all of a sudden come off like yellow, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, WrestleMania eight. Ah, uh, yes. Um, we're we're really getting to the point now where it is just the diehards. Yeah. This is th this WrestleMania. While it's not terrible because there are some really good matches in it, it's just if it weren't for the fact that these things were numbered, you would immediately forget about WrestleMania eight. Well, the funny thing is, you get first. I get Tito. You know, the beginning match was you know Tito Santana was now repackaged as the El, El Matador. He was <laughs> versus Shawn Michaels, who is now on his fresh heel run. Yep. Um. And the funny thing is, these two guys could put on a great match. And this is really Sean's debut as a, as a, as a uh, heel. As a heel. It was great. 
Um, and they had like you know the whole Jake the Snake turn heel on the Undertaker. Yeah, actually, we forgot to go back to the WrestleMania Seven. That was Undertaker's first win. Yeah, that was his first match. He fought Jimmy, Jimmy oh. Snuka. I mean, that wasn't much, but again, the Undertaker was just coming into his yeah into the game. I think he was he had just had that Survivor Series. We're we're planning to talk about the Undertaker because so. uh, there's there's some stuff coming up with him. Um, best match that night though. Uh, Roddy Piper versus Best Bret, Bret Hart, Hart for the IC title. Okay, yep. Um, Bret Hart was na- a newly minted single star after his, his phenomenal run with Jim uh, Neidhart. Yep. And he did such a great job. This this match was great because both guys were fan favorites at the time. Mm-hmm. But Savage was one of these guys, though, that didn't didn't mind stooping and slapping and, and, and cheating and playing dirty. Yep. Um, which really built the psychology within the match. Uh and Bret Hart is just, he's just the ultimate workman. Right. He's so good at what he does. That's when he was really getting into his game. And yeah. He was really kind of being bred as the new um, face for Absolutely. WWF. Uh, worst match of the night, I get to give this to part of the main event, was uh, Hulk Hogan versus uh, Sid Justice. Yeah. Um, Remember the press conference? Oh yes, there was a there was a press conference that the WWF had held about who was actually going to be in the main event at WrestleMania. They um, they read off Hulk and to keep in mind, there's Hulk Hogan sitting there. Sid Justice, I believe, Randy Savage was there. Piper, Piper was, was there. there. Ric Flair was there, and they they say that challenging for the title in the main event will be Hulk Hogan, and Hogan responds with Mike, "Yes, yes, me, me." And all of a sudden, you see Sid Justice like start crumpling a paper up, making like this face. He just took a dump in his pants. Yeah, which he probably did because you heard about it. He took a dump in his pants in the main event of WrestleMania 13, right? Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a bad match because first of all, Hogan I, I, again never been a big fan of his work rate. This right. was not the night for him to actually have to carry somebody. Right. Sid Vicious is, I think, one of the worst wrestlers in history. You are worse than Hulk Hogan. Um. He, the, he looked it, good, and that was about he it. He looked great. Yeah, he was like he just he had a great look to him. He was a big, tall guy. But the problem with him was that well, first of all, I think his ego really t- gets the better of him because he really thinks he's the biggest, biggest wrestler in the world. Yeah, I actually heard this interview on Between the Ropes about two years ago where he actually said he has had more successful runs in more companies than any other wrestler in history. What's he on? Um, I I don't know. I'm gonna guess. Roids. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so it just it's a terrible match. And not only to compound the fact that these two guys just are pretty much staring at each other in the ring and maybe throwing a couple of sloppy uh, chops and fists here and there. Yep. Um, the fact that it ended in a DQ when Papa Shango ran down the ring. That was pretty, and then the yeah. Warrior ran down. Yeah. That was when the Warrior returned. I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I know almost nothing about wrestling booking, but I know one thing. Don't end your main event and your biggest show of the year with a disqualification. And Papa Shango. Yeah, exactly. Papa Shango. I the mean, voodoo priest. You know, the funny thing is, the Warrior comes down to help, too. And the best part about that was, then they brought the, the Warrior and Papa Shango. I mean, we'll get off WrestleMania just for a second here, because they brought that stupid feud where all of a sudden the Warrior is now, like, you know, puking up. You know, ink and bleeding ink, yeah. <laughs> and and then they, you know, and then the whole thing with you know with Jake the Snake, you know, putting him in the in the trunk and all that. So, you know, oh. it was just all that stupid crap that just yeah, you could see that they really didn't care about having the Warrior back. Oh God, yeah. You know what though? The funny thing is, there was a title match too, and Hulk Hogan was not in it. Right. The match was what fifth from the from the top of the card. It was Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. A decent match. I, yeah. I definitely think that. Um, in the '90s, Vince real Vince McMahon really wouldn't let Ric Flair be Ric Flair. Yeah, he was very watered down, and 
it's it's just kind of a nondescript match. It just it kind of happened, mm-hmm. and Savage had won the belt for the second time, and that's that's really about about it. And this was like the last time. Actually, no, it's not the last time because we'll get into WrestleMania ten. Yep. Um, let's move on. WrestleMania nine. That was at Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Vegas. Palace. Yep. The first outdoor WrestleMania. That's when they brought everybody wearing like the togas and crap. Yep. And it was also the debut of Jim Ross. Yes, that's right. Before Jim Ross it, first came out before the Bell's Palsy and all yeah. that stuff. That's when he just left WCW and he was fresh into WWE. Yeah, and this was th- this was his coming out party. Yes, it oh, was. Oh fuck! Um, best match of the night. There was none. There was no good match on this entire card. Um, seriously, well, every match really on this, even the guys that I love, Mister Perfect wrestled in this, and no. he doesn't have a good match. Shawn Michaels. The um, only one I think that would probably come somewhat close to somewhat watchable was yep. Sean at the Tonka. Yeah, it's somewhat. Tonka. Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the only one on here. I mean, I'm looking at the list. Um, the Head Shrinkers versus the Steiners. Mm, well, this is actually when Scott Steiner looked good. This is before he was... was before pre- he... Ro- yeah, before he pre- before, you know, steroid. Yes. Um, Crush versus Doink the Clown. I mean, that was ridiculous. But, but we're getting... But let's get back for a second for what we were talking about earlier. That, you know, in a lot of these cases where they put these slugs in the ring, usually there was somebody there to carry them. Yeah. And Nothing. it's just uncarryable people. I mean, there's... Almost every match has got a, a fair, you know, middling to high-tier wrestler in there. Right. But they're they're just... They're saddled with dead weight. The only other match that could have been somewhat decent was probably Luger and Perfect. Yeah, but... I mean, It could have been, but again, it was... We're talking Lex Luger, though. I know. <laughs> it could have been. I, that's why I said could have. Fresh off his stint but, with the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Oh, God. I mean, look at this. you got Razor Ramon versus Bob Backlund. And the funny thing is, Backlund, I mean, yeah, he was coming back, you know, trying to make a new, a new career again. And, Backlund's you know, like 117 years and old Ramon, right now, and, and I can was, guarantee he could still out-wrestle me. And Razor, Razor Ramon was at the top of his game. So, I mean, I, I guess that was kind of okay. But it just, I don't know, it just didn't really work. But So there really wasn't anything here. I mean, yeah. you got, of course, you, get, you know, the main event was Yokozuna versus Bret the Hitman Hart, and Yokozuna won the title. Yep. And of course... Been, which could have been an okay match because Brett could carry the proverbial broomstick easily. However, you know, however fat and out of shape it was, like a, a Yokozuna. The issue with this match is, and this is the issue that I think killed the whole show. He kills the entire pay per view, and pretty much I think killed the way people perceive him. Um, the second Yokozuna won the belt from Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan comes running down. You know, telling, you know, he cheated, brother. He should have the match, brother. Blah, 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 brother. And what happens? Mr. Fuji, Yokozuna's manager, cha- you know, says, you know, challenges Hogan right then and there. Yokozuna versus Hogan for the belt. Yeah. Three seconds later, Hogan is standing with the title again. Fucking bullshit! I think it was like for like a close, day or something like that. Close out the show yep. again. No, it was like for four months because really? he didn't lose the belt. Remember. See, I, don't, see, I kind of got off for a little bit after that. He didn't lose the belt until the King of the Ring, um, where it's like Vince had every everything in line that that there was, was no way Hogan was going to walk out with that belt. That was still when like you know you only saw Hogan in pay per views, right? Exactly. But they made sure if, that Hogan was not going to go into business for himself and just walk off that title, right? And it's just. The match was poorly executed. It's, you know, what I find funny, too, is, is more Hulk Hogan racism with him saying that he wants to challenge the winner of the match, either yep. it be Bret Hart or, and I'm quoting, the Jap. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He is a real American. Uh, yes. um, let's move on. we got one more 10. to talk about here. WrestleMania 10. Up until 
in my opinion, WrestleMania 16, or I'm sorry, WrestleMania 2000, and then WrestleMania 17. Yeah. Uh, this was the best WrestleMania ever. Okay. Um, so many. I mean, there's a lot of decent matches in here, but the matches that were awesome were awesome. Yeah, like Bret Hart, Bret and Owen. Bret and Owen. That's my favorite match. Yeah. Um, these two guys, you could tell that Owen always got the short end of the stick because yeah. he is just as talented, if not more so, than Bret. Yep. Um, it was a great back-and-forth match with Owen winning. I don't think anybody expected that was going to happen. And that was great because it really elevated Owen. It yeah. really, really got him going. It really got him to, to at least more of an elevated status. Absolutely. Uh, the other great match that night was uh, Shawn Michaels, HBK, versus Razor Ramon. Ladder match. First ladder match at a WrestleMania. That's right. That was another classic match. Great match. Again, more back and forth stuff. And this I mean, this is before we were used to seeing a ladder match at every WrestleMania. Yep. I mean, now it's part, the Money in the Bank matches are, are just a regular part. Um but Sean versus Razor, what a it's just back and forth, back and forth, Those back two and forth. Did, they were, you know, and just the two guys having to learn really how to utilize that ladder to make an effective story. Yep, was was great. Um, worst match of the night, though, I got to give that one to Randy Savage and his last thing he ever did with WWF. Uh, it was a false count anywhere match with Crush. Oh, God. oh that's when Crush God. went heel. Yeah, wasn't calling anybody bra anymore. And... Yeah, what a what. I a... remember when I remember like all of a sudden he just adopted that Hawaiian gimmick. Oh, Kona like, Crush. I remember first Crush was gay. first first Crush was like you know when I was a little boy I had to drink my milk, but now I'm all grown up. And he was like kind of like being like this you know this heartfelt guy. Yeah. For about two weeks, then all of a sudden he got this accent. Yeah. That he was bra. also now Hawaiian. Yeah. <laughs> from Kona, Hawaii. And I'm sure he probably is from Kona, Hawaii. I'm not, that's all cool and well, but you know, it was just awful. He, but the the, the thing with, with 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 Kona Crush. First, I gotta step back to WrestleMania Nine for a second. It was Kona Crush versus Doink. Yep. And uh, Crush had this like Tropicana orange singlet. Yep. And between him and Doink, who was a clown, just the colors just oh, burn into your retinas. Kind of like the, you know, they told you back in the day, don't play video games on, on, on plasma TVs because it'll burn in. Right. That's uh, Kona's singlet. I think everybody's uh, TV burnt in from that. Oh, awful. Awful. Yeah, Savage was not really in his uh, in his best days during this uh, during this time. It's a, yep. it's a bad match. Um, Savage would not be seen again in WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, though, it looks like they're starting to mend fences a little bit, though. It's going to be a DVD collection. Released in the next couple of months, all just matches. I'm yep. hoping for a documentary at some point, but I can take the matches because you know Steamboat's going to be on there. Did you hear the, the wacky story about one of the reasons that Savage was let go? Yeah, he tried to rape Stephanie. Yeah, <laughs> or he actually did sleep with her or something like that. Yeah, or some you know. I remember that whole. That was like the wackiest story. I gotta say, I even you know whether you like him or I don't even buy that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the the night ended with uh, Bret Hart finally winning the title back from Yokozuna. Yeah, it was like a year later. Yeah. Um. Good match. I mean, again, it's Brett having to carry the 500-pound uh, right. broomstick to a decent match. But the best part about that match was at the end, you know, Brett's got the title. All the all the faces come out, and they're hoisting them over their shoulders, and they, they had that shot of Owen, yep. like, on the, on the ramp, just looking at him like, that's going to be me one day. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that I had don't happened. like you. Yeah. <laughs> So that's gonna that's gonna conclude the uh, the ten WrestleManias, but we do have some more stuff to talk about. Um, the WrestleMania video game. Oh yeah, NES. the first NES one where uh, basically it was this awful. That was an awful game. You you could do two things. You could punch 
you could <laughs> kick. And if you're lucky, you might be able to do some kind of like special move. like Which was impossible point. to do. Right. Uh, do you remember the power-ups? Yes, each person had a power-up based on who they were. Like, Hogan's was the cross, which made no sense to us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Million Dollar Man was a dollar sign. Yep. Uh, Savage was had the glasses. Yep. Andre, I believe, had a boot. Yep. Honky Tonk Man had the guitar. Yeah. Or, uh, like, a musical right. Right, note. And I don't... What was Bam Bam Bigelow's? It was Bigelow's? a little flame, wasn't it? Like a yeah. little bouncing flame? This is great, because you got Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, Ted DiBiase, the four top guys yep. in the industry. Honky Tonk Man, who was, you know, at the time, longest reigning Intercontinental Champion yep. ever. Uh, great heel. And then Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. No, I think, you know, I, I read the reason why they did that was mainly because he was colorful. Yeah. They couldn't find a sixth guy. And he was, like, the most colorful guy that and they if had. If you knew how to do he could do the cartwheel move. That's all I could do. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, the game is awful. And they I, played I, that awful, like, WrestleMania music. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was awful, yeah. awful, awful, um, awful. Yeah, I remember back in the... Uh, Back in the day when uh, they released the WWF game for the Sega Genesis, I was over at Jim's house, and uh, our friend Bill, mm-hmm. his brother Matt was playing, and his brother Matt loved Randy Savage, and we never wanted to admit that we liked Randy Savage in the Was this the Raw game that came out, or? No, no, this was, this. I mean, this was like the early 90s. Okay. And it was just nonstop. I hate you, Hogan! I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! I hate you, Hogan! I hate you! And, oh, just terrible, terrible stuff. Mo- mo- as the games went on, they didn't get any better up until like the, the era of the PlayStation. Yeah, um, you know, with the SmackDown games. Actually, I learned a little trick when they had to get Genesis and Monday Night Raw game. Yeah, like, and I had a friend of mine, and, and I, my roommate used to play it all the time, and he used to plug in the other controller. And what you could do was, if you hit the select button, outside interference came in, <laughs> and. The funny thing is, I put it on the floor, and I just put my foot on it, yep. and I would just press the button, and so you could say, how come every time I play this game, someone comes in and beats me up, and I lose? <laughs> and if I did it for months, he never figured it out. He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he got pissed at me when I was done. <laughs> he used to say, we never became friends after that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. there were other issues, but so. it, was, it was hysterical, though. Oh. So uh, now it's time to, uh, for us to announce our personal favorites and okay. least favorites. I'll start. Uh, wrestlers, uh, my, number five for me, Jake Roberts. Okay. Uh, I really think it's sad what's kind of happened to him in the last few years, just kind of falling into that you know downward spiral of drugs and alcohol. Yep. Here I have a man of legendary proportion, the man Jake the Snake Roberts. He is a man that you all recognize. He's a legend. Come on, Jake. Get on in here. The folks want to hear from you. Well, I'll tell you what You know, you hear a casino, everybody says, well, gosh, a casino, you should gamble. Let me tell you something, Hamble. You don't want to play cards with me because I'll cheat. Okay? I cheat. You want to play 21? I got 22. You want to play blackjack? You got two of those, too. You want to play aces and eights? Maybe I got too many of those, too. You do not gamble with me. The only thing you should gamble is this. Listen to me. When you walk in a casino, and you want to gamble. The main thing is, you should realize this. To gamble, you must accept losing. I don't accept losing. And in this Damien. Damien, my friend. My friend Damien is right here. Damien. Is he Damien? Yeah, he just stuck his head out of him. pile of snakes, huh? Oh. You don't want to see this, do you? Well, I Let me know. show you something. Yeah, that's Let me okay. show you I think what, Anvil? Go ahead, Anvil. Roll the dice. 
Mr. Cameraman, get your ass back up here. Hello? I'm talking to you. Get the camera back up here. That is not what you need to worry about, Anvil. The bottom line is this. When the DDT comes, then the snake comes out. Worry about the DDT. 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 Think about it. A man of his word, Jake the Snake Roberts. Back to ringside. Um. Then Mr. Perfect. Okay. Just we we didn't really mention too much about Kurt Henning. Um. Just one of these guys that's just so psychological in the ring. Just one of these guys that looks like he was trained. Right. Um, his dad was a wrestler, uh, but he has like that the like the whole Greco-Roman mm-hmm. background. Uh, just awesome, awesome heel too, because he never he could never do anything that wasn't perfect. Yeah. And he he executed everything perfectly. Uh, Bret Hart, the excellence of execution. Absolutely. Same thing. Uh, number two, Ted DiBiase, greatest heel mm-hmm. ever. And for me, it's Ricky Steamboat for number one. Uh, Ricky Steamboat carried so many great matches, especially in the early days. He didn't have to resort to the Hulk, you know, the whole Hulk Hogan diatribe or anything like that. He was—he's just a phenomenal guy, just decent on the mic, and I think that really is what killed him. All right. But just an awesome workhorse. How about you, Mike? Okay, um, I would say number five for me. I'm going to go with kind of Jake Roberts in the same uh-huh. area there too. Um, I think after, I mean, I think just again, he was just charismatic. Yeah, he was charismatic. Uh, number four, I'm going to go Teddy Biasi. Yeah, I loved his, him being a heel. He was just fun to watch. Uh, three, I'm going to go with. You're probably going to agree with me. The Ultimate Warrior. Okay, I'm going to say this one because I just loved watching him just run to the ring. I just, I just loved his character. Okay, yeah. I love the character. I love just watch him go out and run to the ring, shake the ropes. It was just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's. I mean, I look at him now. Yeah, it was. It's a joke. But I think back as a kid, it was just. He just got you pumped up. And he, he's kind of turned out batshit crazy. Oh, absolutely. But I think was is when you watch him as a kid, you got to think of the mentality of a kid. He gets you pumped up. Yeah, and that's what I liked. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Hogan. Okay. Um, I just again, like I looked up to Hogan when I was a kid. Yeah. I think a lot of pe- a lot of kids did. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he was he was the hero. He was the hero to everybody. Um, originally he was my number one, but then I moved Bret Hart up because yep. I just like Bret Hart because he was just that that cool, calm, collected guy that just looked great in the ring. He did put on a good, just you know, straightforward interview, and he was just he just had everything I thought yeah. at the time. So those are really my top five. Great. Yeah. Uh, now for my worst. Okay. Uh, number five, The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um. When he first debuted, The Undertaker's whole thing was he was the dead man. Yep. You know, this just kind of undead demon who would just, you know, wrestle guys and you couldn't beat him because he's undead. Right. What he's turned into um, throughout the years, especially later on, and when we get to the later WrestleManias, which will be next year's show, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to find that The Undertaker essentially would end up becoming really kind of ungiving in the ring. You know, you talk about these guys that give their all to make the other guy look good. The Undertaker is not one of them. Right. Um, You know, that whole, you know, doesn't really sell, because it's part of his character. Yep. But at the same time, just, you got to give back, and he doesn't. And what blows me away is this guy is just really respected in the back, you know, in the back. You know, the interesting thing is, yeah, the problem is he, maybe he's just a very nice guy to everybody, but at the same time, you know that this is how well, I, I am. Well, I'm sure he's a bit of a douche, actually. Really? But and how yeah. is he so respected? Because he's been there? He, because he's been there forever, and that's how they measure respect. Because he's, lo- he's loyal. It's the same thing with JBL. It's loyal. 
I mean, JBL has been with that company for close to 20 years, yeah. and he's an absolute ass. Yeah, you know, he's kissed ass. Every time yeah. everybody says crap about H- H- Triple H, he said, don't be knocking Triple yeah. H. He's done so much for this business. He doesn't do anything. And I was like, yeah, geez, all of a sudden he becomes a champion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think the other thing about the Taker is, I mean, that's going to be interesting between him and HBK, because these are two guys that don't like the job. So yeah, and I'm that's going to be a very interesting match. I'm going to guarantee what happened was that, that Michaels went to Vince and said, hey, listen, I want to be the one to break the streak. And Vince is going to look and go, no, you got to retire flair last year this is the one thing this is a given the undertaker will never be defeated at wrestlemania yeah i agree mark my words when it's all said and done and your body is set on fire it will truly be the beginning of your eternal damnation number four sid uh, for the reasons we mentioned earlier, apart from the fact that he shit himself a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, he's just he's just untalented. Yep. Number three, Akeem, the African Dream. Okay. Uh, earlier we had mentioned about the one man gang and uh, how the one man gang essentially just a big fat guy with and you know, with reborn. the tattoos. That he was reborn by his manager, the Doctor of uh, Soul Slick. Oh God. Who is essentially a pimp. Yep. Um, put him in this box. And he comes out believing that he was he was he was re- born and raised in a- in the deepest darkest Africa. Yep, and, and he's yellow. It's big yellow. Thing he looked on. like an Easter egg. He looked like a big fat Easter egg. Ugh. And he was doing like the shucking and jiving where he was just kind of bending his arms yeah, to the jive soul bro song. Oh God! It was How awful. the hell does that anything to do with Africa? I don't know because uh, and yeah, white as can be and southern. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, number two, Andre. Again, for reasons I mentioned earlier, I, I think Andre the Giant was a, apparently he's a stand-up guy, great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just could not bring the goods in the ring. And right. really, when I when I rate everything, I, I come down to the, what the story you're telling in the ring and how good you execute that. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my number one worst wrestler, Hulk Hogan. Yes, it is an unpopular it is an unpopular choice, but um, I was always one of those. Even even as a kid watching it, just okay, we get it. You're virtuous. You're good. You Hulkamaniacs, it's me, Hulk Hogan. Check out my new look, <laughs> brother. I was at Arby's scarfing down a chicken cordon blue. That natural chicken tastes righteous. That's because it's not all pumped up with phosphates and fillers, which gave the Hulkster an idea. Maybe I don't need to be pumped up either. Who needs to be doing bench presses and deadlifts all day? <laughs> Over the years, that's kind of turned into knowing, you know, hearing stories about him, how, you know, how he's kind of manipulated this place, you know, at the top of the card. Mm-hmm. Keeping guys down who really should have come up. Bam Bam Bigelow was one of them. Bam Bam Bigelow knows better than anybody else that you've got the goods to be a main event star, but because Hulk Hogan doesn't like you, you're never going to get, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. Teddy I mean, Biasi to an extent, too. I think he was always allowed to be a top heel, yeah. but he was never allowed to break through that glass ceiling. You know, I mean, I only, see, I made my decisions based on just, you know, what I remember as a kid. Yeah. I didn't, not to, I'm not going to base on what I know right. now. Right. I'm going to base it on what I was like when I was eight, nine, ten. And that's what I'm going to base it on. Right. Um, I think my worst five, uh, Beefcake is definitely five. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. wasn't a big fan of him. Um, I just never really liked him. Uh, four, uh, I kind of, I'm going to agree with you with Sid. I'm going to go with that one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny, three, because you said Akeem. I'm going to say Big Boss Man. Oh, really? I just, I, I don't know, the whole Cobb County, Georgia Well, the only thing, thing with that was, like, it was kind of like you have to pick between the two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... You know, Andre, you know, I, I put him in, uh, you know, I would kind of agree with you there on that one. 
Um, I don't think really having, you know, I think Andre probably was my all-time worst. Okay. I, I just didn't really care. I didn't really That's... give a shit. I just, he was there. He's just a big lumbering guy. Yeah. Um, I was going to throw the Berserker in there, too, but he, <laughs> he only made, like, he was supposed to have one WrestleMania got canceled. <laughs> so I was going to throw him in there as number five, actually, and just move everybody up one square. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. How about tag team? Three, three favorite tag teams. Um, I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Okay. Is number three. Yep. No, no, number two. I'm going to put them number right. two. Demolition is number three. Bulldogs is number two. Rockers is number one. Okay. That, that's fine. Mine, so. mine are somewhat... Number three with the Brain Busters. Okay. Because I thought that it was a great heel team right. that had that old school, you know, like Georgia men, you know, mentality. I liked them, too. I didn't think they were there long enough, though. I think they were more WCW-type guys. Yeah. That's why I didn't really lump them in. Right. Whereas I thought the Rockers really kind of... Stood out right. more in WWF. I mean, if you, but for me, I think that was just my opinion. Right. That's just the way I, I mean, I, I thought the, the Rockers were very talented, but if, when when it comes down to WrestleManias, mm-hmm. they were kind of chokers. Yeah. Um, number two, Demolition. Uh, just like I said, these guys were just. They are the queen. They need to bring more teams like Demolition back. Yeah. Because well, not back because those guys are all deteriorated now. But teams, teams like that, just Absolutely. big guy teams. Uh, number one, British Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, like I said, the power and the aerial assault, you, you can't beat that. They were a great team, great faces. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't mind them even so much during, like, the Matilda days when yeah. they had when they had to bring the Bulldog because uh, Dynamite was just too busted up. And, he, and that's the thing with Dynamite Kid. you got to give this guy all the credit in the world. This guy could barely walk. And he still... And he still went put, out to the ring. And he still put on what he could. He did what he could, and that's what was made... Made him great. How about your worst tag teams? Mike? All right, my worst tag teams. Um, first off, my number one is going to probably be the same as yours, the Bushwhackers. My number two was um, oh crap, who was I going to say? Um, number three was the Head Shrinkers. Okay, all right, it was the Head Shrinkers. <laughs> uh, number two was Man on the Mission. That's okay. What it was. Oh, mom. Yeah. Uh, too bad we didn't get uh, Big Daddy the Fifth to come out. I to, know. Uh, to comment on this show, I'm sure we'll get him to. Uh, well, you know, we, we, we'll get him in response. But I did get the head shrinkers, you know, with yeah. Alpha, you know, because I was actually going to have some of uh, Alpha's deep fried babies. Yep. And you know what? They were so good. Yeah, I gonna did hate, hate myself. <laughs> yes. Uh, for me, number three, the Bolsheviks. Okay. Uh, because when <laughs> you got, I mean, it's sad when Nikolai Volkov is the younger guy on the team. And he yeah. was, like, 90 at the time. Yeah. Uh, who was the other one? Was it... It was uh, Boris Zukov. It was Boris Zukov, who yeah. I think was about 115. Uh, number two, the Twin Towers, the team of Akeem, the African Dream, and the Big Boss Man. The Big Boss Man was huge at the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, huge. You know, he was, like, like the same size as Akeem. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, after he left, he lost a lot of he weight. Lost all, he, he lost all that heel weight. Uh, number one, the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Uh, my reason being is that they never really put on a good match in the WWE. They were comic relief. They well, were really entertainment only. Do you want to hear something funny? Those guys really went through the same type of transformation that they did with the Dudley Boys. When they were doing like the Mid-Atlantic stuff, when yep. they were in Smoky Mountain, they were like just vicious heels. Right. They were all about the blood and the gore and insulting the fans and, you know, hey, you know, you girls are sluts, blah, blah, blah. And then they just turned into, like, you know, they had, like, the little arm thing that right. the kids could do. They were really kind of like mascots. Yeah. They really stopped thinking about they were mascots. They were guys that basically just went out there, and you know what? They got the kids going. Right. Because the kids liked them. They thought they were funny. They were, they were actually a good... I think what makes them good was that they really entertained you. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah you're not looking for them to be this, this technical tag team. But I think what made them funny was they were just, they were enjoyable to, they were actually kind of enjoyable to watch in the sense that you, you wanted to see what kind of goofy, stupid shit they would do or the stupid looks they'd give in their face or whatever. And yeah. I think that's kind of and what Then they go out them, and lick each other. Yeah. And again, <laughs> it's just so stupid. You're like, yeah. it, it makes you go like, well, you're not going to be bored. Right. You're right. not going to be bored watching them. 
Right. Well, if anybody has any thoughts that they would like to add to this conversation, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at geeksalad at yahoo.com. You can also join our Facebook group, uh, Geek Salad Podcast. You can also join us on MySpace, uh, www.myspace slash geeksalad.com. Um, for the time being, we are still at www.geeksalad.mypodcast.com. Uh, tune in next time where we're going to be talking about adult cartoons. And I'm not talking about hentai. Yes. I'm talking about The Simpsons. I'm talking about South Park. I'm talking about uh, Family Guy, American Dad, stuff from Comedy Central's adult, or adult Cartoon Swim. Network's Adult Swim. Absolutely. We want to hear what your favorite cartoons are. Try to be original with this. Let me yeah. know what some of your favorite episodes are. Um, and we're going to definitely be giving this the, uh, the the full hour and a half work around, I think. Absolutely. So um, until next time, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And go forth and be geekful. And have a, hey, have a great day. Just don't remember to you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, all that wonderful crap, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, no, no, but don't, don't do that. Yeah, please. Please don't, okay? Because we know what vitamins mean, right? Steroids! Take it easy, everybody. Take a lot.